Shut up and sit down. everyone and welcome to the podcast sorry we're starting a little a lot late <laughs> a lot late okay um uh tonight we're gonna do um this is the first in a series called um fanon theory um and it was jill's idea so we're gonna start with ultron i thought it'd be really fun to she thought it'd be really fun and i agree to take apart um some fanon theories and you know kind of expound on them and um see where they go so the first one we're going to do is is Ultron, and there are several fanon theories about where Ultron came from and what Ultron is. Um, and you had the, the the three main ones written down, right? Four. Four. Okay. Um, the first is that um, I'll just go through what they all are. Any, I think any other theories I've run in, into are kind of a subset of one of these four. But the first is just that Tony created Ultron that the power of the Mind Stone interacted with his programming and an evil robot was the result. Um, second theory was that the Mind Stone um, carried Thanos' consciousness, not Thanos' consciousness, con carried a consciousness on behalf of Thanos, that Thanos implanted it there. The third theory is that Hydra put the Ultron AI-ish thing all the sentience that became Ultron was created by Hydra and put into either the Mind Stone or into the Scepter. Because I think the Scepter did things beyond the Mind Stone. And then the fourth um, is that, that, that the evil robot thing was just the Mind Stone itself. So it was, so either it was from, Ultron was from Tony, Ultron was from Thanos, Ultron was from Hydra, or Ultron was from the Mind Stone. Those seem to be the four main theories about what Ultron was. And I do think canon contradicts at least one of those theories. Um, but I thought it'd be interesting to pull apart what each of those things might mean if they were true, and or how they in impact canon if you go with that kind of route. So... Well, the first one, I it's just not my head canon that Tony Stark is capable of creating something so fucked up. Yeah, I agree. And canon basically, Thor yeah. said that Ultron came from the Mind Stone when he came charging back in, and he um, used you know Steve, Steve was trying to shut down the whole thing where Vision was being created. And they did shut it down. And Thor charged back in and charged the cradle with his hammer because he knew um, what was actually going on because of his, I don't know, vision quest or whatever. Um, and he told them that Ultron came from um, the scepter, that it was not um, Tony who created Ultron. So that was stated in canon. Now, it wasn't explored much. That was just stated by by Thor. Um, so 
to me, that kind of at least sets to, sets to me that that sets one out of the running. But um, I could see why people might say that how would Thor know, or <laughs> or whatever. But well, Thor has more experience with the Infinity Stones than anybody else, right? So, if one is your pet theory that it came from Tony, and that Tony totally created that AI, and it was fueled by the Mind Stone, but that it was what Tony coded, um, I don't even—I don't really know how to give any. I, all I can really give are things against that idea. I don't, I don't really can't come up with anything for it because. Um, None of Tony's other AIs were murder bots. Um, and also, didn't didn't the code that he and Bruce Banner were working on end up in Vision? Um, what what there was of it, yeah, what was left of it. Jarvis's the remnants of Jarvis's code. What there was of the Ultron program, yeah, that all wound up to became Vision. Um. Ultron hadn't so, uploaded up or Ultron hadn't uploaded his consciousness into the cradle yet, so So that's that's what he Tony and Bruce created. Um so it stands the reason that if the same code that's Ultron was also in Vision, then Vision wouldn't be wouldn't have been who he was. Is. Right. That they would have been two sides of the same ugly, vicious coin, but they weren't. And I think it was clear in canon there were they showed there were two completely separate things, right? They had they had the, whatever the sentience was that they detected in the Mind Stone. They showed a holographic display of it, and then they showed a display of Jarvis. So two distinctly separate things, right? Um, oh, they were. Well, not Jarvis. The Ultron, the program was was exist. It just existed as code at that point, and they showed this this sentience, this this a this AI, you know, in the in the Mind Stone. Um, and so at that point, there were two distinctly separate things. There was, and they were trying to work on an interface, trying to use those three days to create an interface between the sept or what they thought to be the scepter, which was really the Mind Stone. Um, and the program they had created. But as Tony said over and over and over again, they weren't anywhere close to an interface. They weren't, they didn't have the interface done. So Ultron, it, whether it was because of the, the, the power of the scepter or the mind stone in proximity to um, the technology there, in whatever fashion, I think that it just woke up. And it just basically consumed whatever it could, including the Ultron program and Jarvis. Jarvis went off in remnants of himself to try to still protect them. But I just don't see that Tony actually coded anything that could be called Ultron. The fact that is that Tony Stark and Bruce Banner are too smart to have created what, what Ultron became. Right. I agree. So one, they're both very forward futuristic thinkers, and they would have considered the ripples of 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 not giving an AI a deeply entrenched moral code. Mm -hmm. 
And I think the only reason that they were accelerating the work with the scepter was because of the vision that Tony had in that in that Hydra base where he was sent in to get the scepter. Um, I think if he hadn't had that vision, he wouldn't have been trying to play around with the scepter. So would so it have stayed? It's Wanda's fault. Well, that's certainly the way I look at it. Because if I don't think a rational, clear-headed Tony whose mind hadn't been messed with um, would have tried to do an interface between an alien scepter that all they knew about it at that point was that it could control people's minds and his peacekeeping program. Now, the confusing part about the whole thing is Ultron took the name Ultron. Okay, he, he, he took that name upon himself. But what Tony created and called Ultron is not the same thing as the what was ultimately Ultron. And I think that that allowed a conflation to happen where people continue to put out there um, in, in their stories and espouse the theory that Tony created Ultron, which I, that's not what I think happened at all. I think basically... Tony had two advanced AIs, you know, one that was online already and one that was in the databanks, basically, in the presence of alien technology they didn't under understand. That was the extent of Tony's participation in the creation of the murder bot. Was it that, that, was it he was influenced to bring that scepter into his lab? So I don't personally find a lot of credibility in that first theory, even though I've read it. And the funny thing is I read this theory, I read this fan position or this in stories that are pro Tony. And I don't know how you can, and that's like, what, the, like what, what I would pull at is I don't know how you can write a pro Tony story and a good Tony, not as opposed to an evil Tony story where he codes a malevolent AI. So the next one is Thanos. And if Thanos put anything in the scepter in the Mind Stone, um, he would have done it to further control Loki while Loki had the scepter during the invasion of Avengers 1. In Avengers 1. Um, he had Loki under the thrall of the Mind Stone. We know that. That's canon. Um, he had tortured Loki to accomplish this. Um, it stands to reason, because he wasn't going to be there, that he would have been very interested in putting something in the Mind Stone to further that control once Loki was out of his physical custody. To ensure the brainwashing and Mind Stone manipulation he had done stuck. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I agree. Thanos, Thanos being responsible for the sentient part of the Mind Stone, like basically, even if it wasn't in the Mind Stone, it could have just been in the Scepter. The Scepter clearly channeled the Mind Stone, right? So what's to say that you couldn't have like that consciousness in the Scepter and the Mind Stone fueled its will, right? Now, Ultron did say he'd been asleep for a long time. And he time. could have been asleep while he was in Hydra's company. Or, or Hydra could have woke him up mm -hmm. um, and influenced him to attack the Avengers. Yeah. 
Wanda could have woke him up. True. I mean, they used the Mind Stone to create... I mean, she's lucky she didn't wind up possessed to create her powers. So she's lucky she didn't wind up possessed by Ultron. But definitely my headcanon personally is that Thanos is, is the one responsible for Ultron. That um, Thanos put that, whether you think of it like a program, like his own version of an AI, um, maybe like a brain download of one of his children... Um, in some fashion that Thanos was now it's my headcanon personally that it's not actually in the Mind Stone that that is in the Scepter um, that the Scepter is a weapon of it because I just I don't the fact is there could have been whatever Thanos left in the stone could have been just sleeping and waiting for its next instructions and the next thing it really encounters of any kind of influence is Wanda when it wakes up her abilities and her hatred for Tony transfers into whatever Thanos left behind in the stone. Cause Thanos wouldn't have been able to, Thanos didn't have any information on the Avengers when he sent the scepter to earth. Right. So he couldn't have targeted the Avengers and he couldn't have targeted Tony personally. Um, at the time. He heard of he he I I'm sure he came to know of Tony because of Tony's destruction of, of the several of the Chitari because of the nuclear weapon. But I, I it seems unlikely that he knew anything about um who had what in endgame. It doesn't matter what he had in endgame. Yeah it's yeah, in Endgame, he had that information. But all of these events had occurred. But we're talking about when the Scepter came to Earth that that Thanos couldn't have known anything about the Avengers. Um, that scene in Endgame when Thanos is talking about the Avengers, that was post-invasion. That was after Loki got his ass handed to him. Now, how Thanos got that information while he was sitting in Andromeda is up for debate. Yeah. But Thanos was... Um, he said, I do, I do believe there's a difference between the Scepter and the Mind Stone. I think the, the Mind Stone, obviously, it powers the Scepter. But I do think of the Infinity Stones as being like pure power as opposed to pure intent. So they need a, something to focus them, which is why they had to be, in order to be useful, they had to be in the gauntlet or in the Tesseract or in, or in the orb or, you know, it, they weren't particularly useful just by themselves, which is why I think that whatever it was that was in the stone that was, um, not in the stone, but in the scepter that was problematic was destroyed when anything that might've been left behind when Thor just, when they destroyed the scepter, it was gone. It went, once it was just the mind stone, which is why I don't think the mind stone in and of itself is a problem. But that's, that's number, that's number four. Um, Whoever came through the portal um, during the invasion, Thanos didn't get back. Because they closed the portal. So, whoever came to Earth during the Chitauri invasion 
didn't get to come didn't get to go back to Thanos and question them um, to answer questions. So if he didn't come through the portal, then how the hell did he get information? He was with the fleet that ended up with a nuclear weapon in their lap. But here's the question. The Avengers didn't kill all the Chitari before they shut down the portal and all those, they just kind of, what, what happened to all them? Did they all drop dead? Or are they in some hole, the shield, they, they dropped dead when the nuke hit. So all they have is bodies. I'm not, yeah, it's actually my personal headcanon that they're not dead dead, but that they're kind of, like somebody mentioned in the chat, like a hive mind, and that once they were cut off from, you know, whether it was the queen or whatever you want to call it, the center of the hive, that their minds don't function, and their bodies followed very soon after. So I think they had a bunch of living, a, a lot, a, a bunch of alive bodies on Earth. Wow, that is creepy. With no, <laughs> with, with no consciousness. Oh, that's so creepy. Uh, Thanos did have that dude that ends up getting blown out the into space. Um, what's his name? Um, Ebony Maw. Yeah, the Ebony Maw. But he wasn't on Earth during um, the invasion. So there's anything- every reason to believe that Ebony Maw might have been responsible for whatever was put in the scepter or the Mind Stone that helped control. Loki, if you if you buy into this theory, yeah. well, Ebony Ma had contact with Loki during. So the the chain of events to how Thanos got information is not particularly complicated to me. Um, Loki had access to um, Barton and the and the other Shield agents and Eric Selvig. He could get whatever information he wanted from them. Um, Ebony Maw had contact with Loki throughout Loki's time on Earth. There's no telling what kind of intelligence was passed back to Thanos. The Avengers were completely compromised, even though they weren't even really a thing yet. Because Barton sure shoot, shoot know, knew more about the Avengers than Tony Stark did at that point. Because Tony had been kept on the periphery. Another reason why he should have said no and fuck you. Yeah. Or fuck you and no. <laughs> Whichever preference you have. Because <laughs> Clint, Clint would have known about all of that stuff. And he could have, because I mean, and um, Tony Stark, I mean, not Tony Stark, uh, um, Loki would have, because Loki knew all about the team when he came to talk to Tony at the end of the movie, right? Well, where did he get that information from? Either they're observing Earth, which is possible, but how would they still know all this information about who exactly was on the team, especially since the team had never been formed? But Clint would know about the Avengers initiative, and he would know who was slated to be in it. I think Clint would have been fully debriefed. He oh, yeah. was He was, at that point, um, very close with Phil Coulson. Um, Phil Coulson was, I think, officially supposed to be the handler for the Avengers. Um he would have known um, who was going to, or who the assumpt- the assumptive members of, of the Avengers were going to be. And if he provides that information to Loki, it enables Loki to make his plans. I do think the scepter is also how 
they were able to contact and communicate with Loki because he was holding, wasn't he holding the scepter, scepter during that one scene when Ebony Ma sort of jerked I him onto so. the, I think he was holding it. So, so yeah, I think, I think that to, to me, that's the, of the, of the four theories the the one with Thanos did something, put something in the scepter or he put something in the line stone that became Ultron when the right set of circumstances all came together. I, we don't know that he intended to, there to be a murder bot, but he put a sentience in there, is my headcanon. And, and he I think wouldn't it, have been mad. <laughs> yeah, and he, he would not have been mad about the murder bot at all. Um, like, oh, look. <laughs> look at my baby. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would call it one of his children. Um, so I, I think that to me, that's the one that fits with most of the facts. Um, so we can revisit that one, but let's talk about number three, which is that Hydra put that sentience in the scepter. I have a really hard time with this particular theory. Um, I don't think they have the technologically, the technology or the intelligence to have done it. No, I mean, how would they have known what they were doing? How would they have known that it would work? I mean, it's just, it. it's so... But if you consider that if you if you believe Wanda to be truly Hydra, you could say that she encountered the intelligence in the stone during her interactions with it, and she fed it all of her hatred for Tony Stark. That it was deeply influenced by her um, need for revenge and her need for destruction. And when it was given an opportunity to escape the Mind Stone, it took it. But it wasn't overly focused on Tony. Um, no. If but it, you could. If it, I mean, you could twist that. You could. Yeah. For I, writing I, think, purposes, I so. think that's like one of the only ways you could do it. I just find the idea that that um, basically that uh, Hydra somehow had a way of writing instructions to the Mind Stone or the Scepter to be improbable. Because, I mean, yes, Hydra technically had more experience probably than most any almost anybody else on Earth with, with Infinity Stones. Do you think they knew that's what they had? Um, how would they know how to do that? I don't, it just, mm, mm, it, uh, they had Armin Zola and had Bucky on and off cryo for decades. There's always the chance of lucky accidents bearing on the stone and absorbed the mind of Hydra scientists when it killed him. It's, well, okay, now that's interesting. Um, Hydra does have a history of, of trying to create an AI out of the, of a person. Because they yeah. tried to, or maybe succeeded with doing it with Zola. I don't know if they actually control. I don't know if that was actually him, or just a program that believed he was the consciousness of Armand Zola. Yeah, I I was never quite convinced that it was actually him in those computers, but. I do find it interesting the idea that by accident yeah, it's not some, my I mean it's my headcanon that it was just a program that really believed it was yeah the consciousness and soul but it really it, wasn't it was, it was a really self self deluded you know sort of AI but I do like the idea and this could work that happy it was sort of a happy accident for Hydra is that a scientist working with the scepter 
died mess messing with it and it absorbed his consciousness because if anything could absorb a consciousness it's the mind stone did you go away are you still here yeah i'm here you can't hear me Jillian. Um, okay. okay, so Lady Holder oh, can hear great. us both. I can't hear her. I can hear... Um, I'm on disconnect and reconnect. Can you hear me now? I can, yes. Oh, we're fixed. Okay. So what I was saying is if, if anything could absorb a consciousness, it is the Mind Stone. So if there was a really malevolent scientist who maybe had those kinds of beliefs about that the earth, the world was fucked and that Hydra needed to wipe everybody out of existence, that there'd be no peace as long as man existed. There could be like a happy accident kind of thing where a scientist trying to manipulate the, the scepter dies while working with it and the Mind Stone absorbs his, his consciousness. That, that could work, but I don't think it would be something that Hydra could do deliberately because I don't know, I don't think there's any foundation for Hydra to be that proficient with a with an Infinity Stone, um, not like it ate him, but I think maybe he died and it absorbed his mind at that time. I think, like Shield, Hydra got very lucky when it came to using the Tesseract. They they had no idea what they were doing. They were fucking with the power of infinity. They really had no idea what they were messing with. Yeah. So I think if you want to go the route of Hydra, put that consciousness there. I think you kind of have to go the route of it being an accident. Um, and then I think that you got to kind of come up with a way to explain that I've been asleep for so long or something like that. Because that thing with Hydra was pretty recent. Hydra didn't I mean, it was in the fridge until the data dump, right? And then Hydra got a hold of it. And then they kept trying to get the scepter back. Yeah, it went from Loki's hand to the Avengers to the fridge, then to Hydra. <coughs> yeah. So, <coughs> and the only reason they were able to do that is because of the data dump. And Hydra was exposed, so they took over the fridge. So really, ultimately, you can blame Ultron on Steve Rogers. <laughs> I'm, I'm gang. In that theory, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, all the way around. If they hadn't compromised S.H.I.E.L.D. security before, I mean, all they had to do was let a, you know, a, a competent government agency come in and deal with the Hydra cleanup. And they could have like secured all those dangerous assets. I'm just saying. Ultimately, everything post Winter Soldier is Steve Rogers' fault. I'm not mad at this idea, except and Nick Fury's and Natasha's. Yeah. Oh, you know, given enough time, I could probably blame him for Iron Man three too. I mean, if the Avengers had been there for Tony and had his back the way he would have had theirs given an opportunity, then maybe that shit all wouldn't happen the way it did. And his house wouldn't, and his beautiful house wouldn't ended up in the ocean. And honestly, it was my favorite. I yeah. much preferred it over the tower. The Malibu, the mansion of Malibu was beautiful. Um, okay. So that's the Hydra theory. And then the last theory that I see is that it's just the Mind Stones influence. Um, 
and that the Mind Stone just had a malevolent consciousness in it. Um, but what if it's, you know, I mean, considering its origin, I'm not sure I buy that particularly that it was always there, but you could kind of like twist it around and say that it's a manifestation of eons of ill will that, it, that it's been exposed to. And misuse. I think that would have manifested differently than Ultron, though, personally, if that were it. But, okay. So, I struggle I struggle with this theory a bit because I don't believe... Although, I guess if there were to be any of the stones with a sentience, it would be the Mind Stone. Um, but... I just don't... I just don't... It's not my headcanon, personally, about what, what the Infinity Stones really are. Talk about some underexplored major facet of canon. Um, I mean, the Infinity Stones are one thing that they really did litter throughout um, <coughs> um, I don't think so. But you have to remember, I think that what's to me, what's malevolent is what they're packaged in. Um, the Aether... The Aether is the reality. You're, you're, you're using Aether and Mind Stone, but that's not analogous. It would be the Reality Stone and the Mind Stone or the Aether and the Scepter. Because it was like, for the majority of the stones, it's like somebody weaponized them, right? They made the Reality Stone into the Aether. They made the, um, the Mind Stone of the Tesser into the, into the Scepter. They made the Space Stone into the Tesseract. They put the Power Stone into the Orb. So they basically kind of weaponized the the Infinity Stones, um, which could have had an influence on them if they have any kind of level of. I you could even argue that the trap that the Soul Stone in was a type of weapon. Um, I have a thing about the Soul Stone that really bothers me now. What? But this podcast isn't about the Soul Stone. Well, we're going to work through these. We've already worked all the way through all four theories. We're on the fourth one. So the Soul Stone. Red Skull tells Thanos and Gamora that in order to retrieve the stone, Thanos has to sacrifice what he loves. And Gamora laughs because she doesn't think he loves anything. And Thanos is start, you know, starts to grieve, whatever, um, because he thinks he has to kill Gamora to get the Mind Stone. So he tosses her off a cliff like garbage because he's a monster, and he gets the Mind Stone. Okay. <clears throat> Natasha and Clint go up there. Red Skull tells them you have to sacrifice what you love. They fight over it. Natasha sacrifices herself and Clint gets the stone. It doesn't need love. It doesn't need you to sacrifice. It just needs a life. They should have fucking chucked the red skull off the cliff. It doesn't need a sacrifice. It just needs a death. Because Clint did not sacrifice Natasha. Oh, that's true. She sacrificed herself. She committed herself. suicide. Which really makes it's just bad writing. Yeah. 
Well, the thing is, they had the writers. The writers were probably trying to be true to their own characterization in some fashion, even if they basically gave themselves a plot hole, because they knew that the way they had characterized Clint and Natasha that being in character, that neither one of them was going to sacrifice the other. This wasn't going to happen. Also, I have a question. I have a, I have a question I want to ask Marvel. Um, so, <clears throat> when Steve was returning all these stones to where they belong, I assume he used the space stone to go to that planet so he could return the soul stone. How'd that work out? I'm asking for a friend. I mean, yeah, were they how, happy how to see you... each other? Was that a good reunion, the Red Skull and Captain America? <laughs> Did they sit down and have tea? Talk about it a little bit? I'm well, asking. They also, I they, also didn't, they also didn't explore how that soul stone got returned. I mean, how do you return a soul stone? I mean, everything else, I you put it back in place. Toss it back over there. I mean, how... I, mean, how, how, I don't... Th- There was something about that trap for the soul stone that just was very unexplained, right? Like you go up and you cl- you scale this this cliff, and then somebody you, you throw somebody you throw the thing you care about off supposedly, and um, the soul then you appear in a body of water with the soul stone in your hand. There's something more at work there. None of the other stones work that way. They don't teleport around. But the fact is, is Thanos didn't have to love what he killed. He just had to kill. Or die. Someone had to die to get the stone. But it didn't have to be about love. And it wasn't about um, sacrificing what you love. It was about giving the stone a soul. I'm not sure it was about giving the stone a soul. Stone a soul. So much as giving the trap a soul. To replace the soul in the stone. The trap needs a soul. I think so, and I think it's it's the trap is fueled by like the stone the the soul stone, so you give it a soul, and it can release a stone. So if you give the soul the soul stone back, what happens to the soul that it's already there? I don't know. It gets let go. I, I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense because <laughs> it's it's very circular, right? It doesn't make any sense because the thing about the soul stone it, to me is that. Like I said, all everything was in some fashion weaponized, right? So that trap that the soul stone was in, it doesn't make sense that the way it worked was any function of the soul stone. It was just using the soul stone to power some sort of a- apparent catch-22. And like you said, not a real catch-22 because clearly it works just on sacrifice as opposed to somebody, you know, it works on self-sacrifice. Um, so... But if it worked the way Red Skull said it did, then the, the, the Natasha should have got the stone. Right. So, well, assuming what she loved the most was herself. But, um, I mean, the whole wording, I think the wording, like you said, it, it has to be that the wording is just a ploy to make it seem like it's an insurmountable thing. Because the idea being that, of course, if you love something, you're not the thing you love the most, you're not going to be willing to sacrifice it. And therefore, the soul stone will remain safe. Somebody, whoever built that trap, which is a kind of a weapon, whoever built it really didn't want the soul stone getting out. Well, the implication with Red, stone, Red Skull being there is that he's basically being punished by Infinity. 
or one of the the four cosmic entities that MCU acknowledges, yeah. Because the Tesseract sent him there. So the Tesseract passed judgment on him and found him lacking and sent him to that planet. And the Soul Stone basically keeps him hostage. Well, did the Tesseract do it or did one of the cosmic entities do it? Well, I don't think it was a Tesseract personally. I guess I, mean, I, guess it's, I it's, would say it, the I would say it's the Tesseract as well. It has to be the real actual Red Skull because the first time we see him, it's Thanos and Gamora who had absolutely no history with the Red Skull. So it couldn't possibly be a construct or a manifestation of their own expectations. I mean, clearly it was a wraith of some sort because he appeared from like fog. But the reason I don't think it's the stones themselves, the stone itself that, that, that punished him that way is because that implies sentience in the stone, which it doesn't fit my head canon. Um, I do think it could be one of the cosmic entities that was like, okay, if you misuse the stone, one of the stones, we, will, we, we, we reserve the right to appropriate you to guard our trap. Except Thanos misused all the stones. But he didn't kill himself doing it. He should have. All he did was hurt his arm. Asshole. <clears throat> I am the most fond of the Thanos theory. It's the most interesting to me. It makes the most sense. Um... It furthers his um, the idea in my head that he's corruptive. Um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm just okay. thinking. Well, the four cosmic entities in the MCU, I believe, I'll have to double check, but I believe that they're death, eternity, infinity, and entropy. Um, I don't know why they picked that particular four. Um compared to the bazillion cosmic entities that, you know, that Marvel created over time. Uh, yes. Death, entropy, infinity, and eternity. They created the, they created the infinity stones. So either they weaponized them or they just tossed them out into the universe. For some, I, I would think that they're the ones. Either they did it, or no, because at the Eye of Agamotto was created by Agamotto, so he's the one who who created the who put the time stone in that. Okay, so somebody who came across these things over time are the ones who did what they did with them. Okay, so. Somebody created the scepter at some point, and it probably was. I just think they were very irresponsible with their toys. I think if you're going to take the forces of creation and compress them into little rocks, that that you're responsible for what you do with them. You can't just leave them lying about. <laughs> the fucking ancients. Um. What I would say about the entities, the um, the, the four, what'd you call them? 
um, uh, cosmic entities. Cosmic entities is um, is they exist in a higher level of of being, um, and so we're kind of like ants. Yeah, they just don't care. Do you, do you care what happens to an ant? Well, I know you personally don't. <laughs> As long as aunt, that thing isn't anywhere near you. Aunt, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that, you know, that, that they're so, they will be so far above um, the lives of the people in the, in the, in the universe that they, we would look like ants. Or maybe we're in that little marble world in um, Men in Black. Remember at the end of Men in Black when you yeah. finally see two ki- or two Ga- the galaxies or some things can be very small. Yeah, and you see hours uh-huh, being played. Be- somebody's playing marbles with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you know they have the these 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 stones, um, and so what if they get weaponized? Let's see what they did with that. It's kind of like a flea circus. Did you ever watch it in Jurassic Park when he's talking about his flea circus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. His wee, his wee flea circus. Yeah. yeah. Did you did, did you see what they just did with that shit? Did, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> did you see that? Now, see, if they created the universe... That means they're not in the universe. That means they're outside it. it. They didn't create the universe. Um, they didn't. No, this this the the singularities did. Um, and the the six singularities existed: space, mind, reality, power, time, and soul. That's before the universe began. After the universe began, the cosmic entities created the infinity stones from the six singularities. So they were taking that. This is the way I read that they were taking that that force that created now, the universe, or the byproduct of the creation of the universe, and they were compressed. They create push those singularities into. Um, yeah, that that was really short sighted. Um, so were they created by the Infinity Stones? Well, that certainly is not explained. But more to the point, is this the only universe the Infinity Stones created? Or just the next in line? Right? Because if the Infinity Stones, I mean, if the Singularities have created this universe, there's no reason to believe that it's the first one they created. Or even, honestly, the last one they will create. Um, what bothered me most about Endgame was Thanos' destruction of the Infinity Stones. That seemed... Incredibly unlikely. Or is it just me? Is it that he had the power that they would work against each other and allow themselves to be destroyed made no sense to me. And that he survived it. Uh, okay, all this so what when I read about 
cosmic entities it says okay. cosmic entities also referred as cosmic beings are a type of fictional character appearing in the american comic books published by marvel comics they possess power on a universal multiversal or even omniversal level far beyond those of humans or conventional superheroes so it doesn't they're very powerful but it doesn't basically say any um entropy was created at the beginning of time possibly when eternity was formed entropy came into being with the seven with the seven friendless just as all the other friendless have a purpose of their own entropy's purpose is to destroy juxtaposed to his father eternity whose purpose entails creation um entropy and his sister epiphany engineered the insanity of the janus veil by causing him to see that by falling to failing to save the life of an unarmed female alien female during a Badoon raid on their homeworld, he had the universe's greatest peacemaker die. Thus, he fell into a downward spiral, spiral feeling he had failed his duties, eventually losing consciousness for a few days. Um, so some of them are go back to the beginning of the universe, but it seems like some of them, um, like Ego, is listed as one of the cosmic entities, which is weird because. Um, MC, in Marvel, he's listed as a cosmic entity, but in MCU, he's really not. He's a celestial. Right. But he isn't... See, now, in the MCU, Ego is Quill's father, and he's a celestial, but that's not how it went in the comic books. I don't think that Ego is actually Peter Quill's father in the comic books. I could be wrong. Um... Because they, they just took it in a different direction, I think. Um, right. I don't, yeah, um, he, his father is an alien, but he wasn't Ego in the comic books, I don't believe. Um, but Ego is a celestial in the MCU, but he wasn't always a... He, used, he wasn't always a celestial in the, in the overall it, Marvel canon thing with the comic books. Why do they gotta do things so? Why can't why can't they just tell a story, a story instead of ten versions of a story? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, the only mention I could find about Ego being Peter Quill's father is is related to the MCU. I don't see it anywhere else in any of his canon which goes back to 1966 right so i would you know honestly I, more and more i see the mcu as basically fan fiction yeah which you know which is fine but it, it, is, it is we have to work with um and right. some, sometimes <laughs> sometimes when we can't figure something out something that goes on in the comics something the com what was in the comics shines a light on what we don't understand and it makes it clearer and other times the comics don't help at all right like they just make it they just make it worse so it's like they so piecemealed what they took from the comics that it's just really it's hard to use the comics even as a reference in any meaningful way because if you take you know sometimes you take this thing that you think is going to help explain you just contradict something else in the mcu canon um so for some reason they wanted to use Ego the Living Planet so to be Peter's father because maybe they liked the character maybe they felt like felt like it was easier to explain Ego 
or he was more interesting than who Peter's father actually was. Maybe it was because they wanted to do the Infinity Stones tie-in. Because I mean that the Infinity Stones are pretty much the, like the only tie-in through the whole. But movie, see, they did right? the Infinity Stone tie-in in the first movie, right? And but they, Ego was in the second. Right, but that's how Ego found out that he had a child. He found out where Peter was because he heard of a child who survived handling an Infinity Stone. Right, well, that could have just as easily been his original father. Maybe that's something that his race could do. Well, Willow, really? That's interesting. That is interesting. So Willow just shared that in the comics, Peter Quill was originally as smart as Tony Stark. He wasn't kidnapped from Earth as a child. He built the spaceship he left Earth on. So if they had kept his original father, that would have actually been really interesting. Yeah. So comparatively, they kind of turned him into a bimbo. Yeah. I mean, I like Peter Fine, but he was not an intellectual giant. (laughs) A bimbo. A himbo. A himbo. Himbo. Um, so Dark says that they could be that they didn't want to start a long story arc with a whole race of people that Peter's related to who caused problems all over. Weren't the Spartori a conqueror race? Um, yeah. So it's very difficult when, and this is why, so when you're trying to figure out what's going on with the Infinity Stones, what was the scepter, uh, where did it come from, what was it supposed to do, who made the scepter, you, when, when it comes to any question around the Infinity Stones, going to the comics doesn't always help, and I would say usually it doesn't, because there's just no, there's no coherent train that you can, you know, thread you can pull from to get answers, because they just, they piecemealed things together to, to tell the story they wanted to tell. It's so annoying. Um, we could have had something really awesome. But look what we got instead. And then my husband had to tell me this terrible thing that happened on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I... <sighs> they just like to do lots of terrible things on that show. Dudes. Dudes. The Colson thing, Margaret, the Colson thing. I'm 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 hundred percent done with that. I don't even know. No, it didn't happen. That, that's not what happened. That's not what was that no. And fuck all that. Is this the current season or something? It, it happened recently. Okay, you'll have to tell me later. I don't watch it anymore. I got kind of fed up with it in season two. Just like somebody else in the chat who got fed up with it in season two. I um, only watched the first season and then I was like, nope, I'm done. I, I just, I, I just, Melinda May wasn't enough to save that show. No, I mean, well, one day I, um, I, I come in and my sister's watching Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think. And I was like, is that, is that Ghost Rider? She's like, yep. I'm like, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? She's like, yep. I'm like, is that supposed to make sense? <laughs> I missed it because you popped for me, so I, I I missed the name. Ghost Rider. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I can't um, even with that shit. I mean, wasn't Ghost Rider like had a contract with like the devil? Yes, as a matter of fact, he did. I mean, isn't that kind of like mixing your mythologies? But whatever. 
I'm not the continuity police. I wish I was. <laughs> you know what bothers me most about Coulson's survival, survival and him not being in the MCU? He didn't even show up for Tony Stark's funeral. If there was one moment in the MCU where Phil Coulson should have revealed himself, that should have been the moment. Hell, the chick that the, the, the wasp showed up and she'd never even met Tony Stark, I don't think. That I know of. That Phil Coulson skipped Tony Stark's funeral is so fucking offensive. Well. Well, and also that Wanda showed up. That was really pretty, pretty fucking that, furious. That, infuriating that, too. That, yeah, that bothered me more. But, you know, the thing is, I mean, they did this weird thing. I mean, they put it, they put themselves in a weird position when they did the spinoff with, when they did the Marvel TV franchise. Because they decided to make it all part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But basically, what they did was say, the TV shows are all going to account for the movies. But the movies aren't going to account for anything in the TV shows. Which is bullshit. So, and yet they want to they want to call it all one canon. Although, I don't know how they can call it all one canon, because it's... it's well, apparently, crazy... uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. went in, um, into an alternate universe, basically. Um, but um, that isn't the most egregious part. Uh just I can't. I just that's some dumb shit. Well, the alternate universe thing, I assume, is is they're doing a tie-in to the shenanigans about the hole in the multiverse caused by Steve Rogers. Well, well, we <laughs> we think it was caused by Steve Rogers, but they they say it was caused by the snap. Um, Fuck that! But it doesn't make sense. Which snap? Thanos' snap, snap, Bruce's snap, or Tony's snap? Yeah, which snap did it? But we know, we know, we know the truth. It was Steve. <laughs> it was Steve fucking Rogers. Of course it was. The blip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steve, Steve created a Splinter universe. That's what he did. Um, and I don't, I don't know which universe we were even seeing at the end. Were we seeing the Splinter universe? We had to have been, right? What happened? Did, I mean, what would have happened? I mean, I hate time travel theory, honestly. What would have happened? To the because if Steve went off to live in a Splinter universe, and what we and Steve, so that that Steve, the Steve who had the shield and stuff, would have had to have been in the Splinter universe. What <laughs> that means everybody else in the Splinter universe. So what happened in the universe that was the main time stream? Did it, it did it just self destruct? There's no time. What happened to it? Because because Loki's running around with the Tesseract in that universe. <laughs> Yeah. Although Loki proved, I mean, here we go. Loki proved to be much more responsible with the Infinity Stones than Steve Rogers. So I'm not sure that Loki's the problem there. <laughs> right. Still, it, it it boils down. Is it? It's all Steve Rogers' fault. Yeah. Well, of course there were two Steves running around in the main timeline because he's fucking sitting there on that bench in their timeline. But it doesn't mean that it's the main timeline. They could have been two Steves running around in the Splinter universe. T Steve fucked the time stream. And didn't even give it a reach around. He really didn't. There was no lube. There's nothing wrong with a good missionary moment. When your knees are bugging you. I'm just saying. 
Let someone else do the work. Apparently, Steve came back. Old Steve was at the funeral for Peggy at the same time as the current timeline Steve. Huh? They confirmed that Steve was the father of Peggy's children? Gross. Well, he had to have been. Um, because he was a secret, and so were her kids the whole time. That's actually canon. Um, but here's a curious thing that I'm never going to get past. Did he tell her that she was going to work every day with Nazis? And she did it anyway? Or did he keep it a secret? You let me know. Marvel. Actually, don't. I, I would freak out if I got an email from you guys. <laughs> I actually think the presence of two Steves in the same universe sort of validates the idea that it's a Splinter universe. Because you put two fucking Steves in it. And one was more than enough for any universe. So then you have a universe with no Steves. And a Splinter Universe with two Steves, which means all we've got, see, all we've seen is the Splinter Universe. And what's going on in the main universe? He is most definitely America's ass. And I yeah. mean that in the most negative way possible. Well, in every way possible, because it's still a fine ass, even if... It is it. a fine ass. I mean, yeah, it, it, Chris Evans has got a great ass. That's no lie. I mean, and we get lots of shots of it. So... It's a fine, fine, fine tush. Um, yeah. I just wish his character wasn't a bastard. I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> the ass. I know I'm asking ass. for a lot. I'm, I'm asking the for ass, a lot. The ass and its asshole. Or oh, there you go. That could be his slogan: "America's ass and its asshole." <laughs> <laughs> And Chris Evans with a beard is a thing of beauty. Mm. <laughs> if you've not seen that, I posted some pictures on Facebook. <laughs> you did. I saw that. I don't even go over to Facebook very often, but it was right there at the top of my feed. And I went, oh. Well, hello. <laughs> hello, Chris. <laughs> hello, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, see? That's that's just that is a firm that's a firm tushy too. I mean, there's no wiggle there. None. I feel like I should be looking at his shoulders, but I can't <laughs> because right? Joss, Whedon, Joss Whedon is all about the ass shot. He really is, and that's really his, his honestly. That's I think about him that I can stand. He did get some good shots of Robert Downey Jr.'s butt. She's Googling. <laughs> yes, I am. Dear God, there's a lot of, there's a, quite a lot of shots of his ass. Well, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> Someone's Twitter feed is called at Iron Cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord help. It's a cute ass. No lie. It's a good butt. Certainly the Iron Man suit had a nice ass too. I mean, of course it had to. 
Did you could you imagine the conversation that he might have had with the costume director? It was like, look, um, I work pretty hard for this ass, so I'd like you to make sure that when you're designing the Iron Man armor that you pay special attention to the fact that it should look like my ass. It should. <laughs> It, it should be it should be reflective of the butt beneath. Um, also, also. Um, oh, I had a brain blip there. Don't show me pretty things. My brain just. Holy Hannah banana. What? <laughs> I need to take a break. Hold on. Why did Robert Downey Jr. get prettier? What what is that? I don't know how that happens. <laughs> Elspeth, you better share. The only question to that, what frosting goes best with chocolate chip cookies? The only answer is chocolate. A nice thick chocolate ganache. If you if you dipped on one side and left the other side plain and then let it dry. For chocolate chip, I agree, but I gotta say, for 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 cranberry oatmeal cookies, cream cheese what? frosting is great. Cream cheese? Mm. Oh, cream! It's so good. Yeah, actually, almost any kind of oatmeal cookie, put cream cheese frosting on it. I'm all in there. But could you could you could do a little border of chocolate icing? Don't oh, you question do the oatmeal cookies. Oatmeal cookies are divine. Chocolate? You could do Get drizzle. Her. You could do. Hmm. Questioning oatmeal cookies like there's something wrong with them. I didn't go say get, you had to have raisins in them. Go get in the them. corner, Lady Holder. Go get in the corner. I love oatmeal raisin cookies. I like my favorite oatmeal chocolate chip. Uh, but I will take. I love oatmeal oatmeal. cookies across. I love. Um, I love the oh. no bake oatmeal too. You know, yeah, with chocolate and oatmeal butter. cranberry and oatmeal. Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty much oatmeal. You just take your cookie and just put oatmeal in it. I'm set. I'm set. But actually, one of the best cookies I ever had was like they called it like this everything cookie, which had chocolate and oatmeal and pecans and coconut mm. and I mean it was it was all that. I make um coconut cookies with uh coconut milk and coconut and a little sugar. Well, I don't. I'm not. I'm not butthurt that you don't like oatmeal cookies. I'm happy. To we keep will eating. eat your oatmeal cookies I'll, on your behalf. Oh yeah, I'll eat all the oatmeal cookies. I was so bored earlier today. I got on Facebook. That's how bored I was today. We need to get you a hobby. I love coconut. I like coconut milk. I like to get a little coconut milk. This is awesome for those of you who like coconut. Um, and espresso, uh, and chocolate. Get you some ice, put it in your blender. Get you some espresso, put that in your blender. And get some coconut milk and put that in your blender. <laughs> then get a little some chocolate, put that in your blender, and then mix it all up. And you can and you can have an a. A very good frappuccino that tastes like a mountains. <laughs> or you could use almond milk in a little coconut milk and you can have an almond joy. <laughs> Which Not is at it. very good. <laughs> but yeah, I make um I make uh, my my frappuccinos with coconut milk all the time. It's so good. Oh. So 
So Lady Hilda doesn't like coconut either. She's how do you know what's wrong with her? You know she also doesn't eat fish. No, I just the woman, the woman was in the navy and she doesn't eat fish. It seems weird and and terrible that she visited all these beautiful port cities all over the world and she doesn't eat seafood. I I can't even. Yeah. I love coconut macaroons. Is that how you say that? Is it? It's, it's uh-huh. a macaroon, not a macaron. Um, but because those are made with almond flour, right? Um, macaron. Or is that the French minister, French president guy? Well, that was that. Uh, no, macaron is the French, the French president. Macarons are the um, the ones a little, the little colorful, double sided skirt. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, but macaroons are the the coconut thing. I love coconut Here. things. Here, here's a Tumblr post with everybody's ass. There's a post with everybody's ass? With everybody's ass. Did you get the butt shot on everybody, including Loki? Now I have to click on it. God, this is so... well. This, this, this is really an opinion piece. Bucky Barnes' butt shares qualities with Clint Barton's butt, but it is overall a little more grounded. He, t- What does that mean? He, too, knows how to style to show off the best qualities of his butt, even when he's dressing like a hobo. As you can see, his butt is full, not cut, and while it is relatively flat, you know from his thick thighs, trademark, that he can probably crack walnuts between his cheeks. In short, the Avengers and bonus non-Avengers are a team of very pleasing butts, and surely there's a butt among them for everyone who might wish to appreciate a butt. (laughs) Bruce Banner has a very pleasing butt. (laughs) Clint Barton is the man with the unexpectedly pleasing butt. As you can see, both cheeks are perfectly rounded, but still nice and tight. Additionally, he fills out the sides without having a perky butt like Tony's. He is the quintessential peach butt. (laughs) (laughs) Peach butt. (sighs) Tony Stark has an infamous bubble butt. His glutes are high and pleasingly rounded, and this is emphasized even more by his tendency to wear lifts. Tony claims this is the resultant of the squat craze in the 90s, but whatever the cause, his bubble butt is very pleasing to look at, especially because all his clothes are tailored to show it off from every possible angle. Steve Rogers has what I like to think of as a cute butt. He's got dimples on either side of the cheeks where the gluteus maximus overlays the gluteus medius. This contributes to what Sam Wilson refers to as Captain Small Ass. A small ass, firm, good for grabbing, and also good for running past fellow joggers at a million miles an hour. Yes, yes. The butts of the Avengers. I don't see me watching any more Avengers movies after Endgame. I because no, I don't see me watching. I honestly don't. I I honestly don't want to see any more Avengers movies. Period. Except, well, not true. I want to see. I want to see the Doctor Strange, the sequel to Doctor Strange, and I want to see the the Black Panther sequel, if and when there ever is a sequel to those movies. But I'm not interested in anything else I've heard about. I don't. I don't even really want to see the Spider Man movie, but I feel like I need to. So. <sighs> Because I need to understand this whole ripped a hole in the multiverse theory thing. That Steve caused. Because yes, yeah. that Steve caused. Because reasons. Because reasons. If the snap was going to do it, the first snap should have done it. Well, no, if you want to write me privately, that'd be great. But since it's still in theaters, I don't want to like put it out there to mess everybody else up. 
Yeah, and I'm just not... It's always going to be too soon when it comes to the death of Tony Stark. Yeah. So, you know. Anyway. So, one of the things... So, what happens with... As, as we have seen in our discussion so far, is that when you have a canon that is inconsistent and has continuity errors and and that there's really not any real reasonable source that explains these things or when they try to explain things they actually make it worse because they don't want to admit they just fucked up um we're left to develop fan theories and fan theories run the gamut from wow that really makes a lot of sense that explains shit but man is it dark to well, that's something. I'm not sure it explains anything. It might even raise more questions. <laughs> but there they are. And I think the MCU is really prime for there to be a lot of fanon to try to explain things. And people... Um, I don't even think it's a case of being of being inspired really by other authors so much as it is, okay, that's the only theory that makes any sense to me. Um, I had I had hadn't read any I because I wasn't reading um, fanfic about post post of Age of Ultron because I usually didn't read fanfic um, that passed the the first Avengers movie because everything that happened after the first Avengers movie I found to be awful. I didn't actually start reading anything later in the series from a fan fiction perspective until oh until after the Civil War because people were so salty and bitter. Um, and actually I was too, even though I didn't see the movie that I just felt like I needed to see how people's interpretations of that. But, um, my, my headcanon around Ultron, even without, you know, even though I wasn't reading fan fiction around that time was definitely that Ultron was from Thanos. Um, the two theories that make the, actually that was the only theory I could come up with because I hadn't considered the idea that it could have been an accident that Hydra put a consciousness into the scepter. Um, I find that to be an inter really interesting idea that it was accidental, but um, that it somehow had something to do with Thanos made the most sense to me. So theory number one, that Tony just made an evil robot, uh, I, I that would never have crossed my mind because it completely violates my headcanon about Tony. And theory number, number four, that it was just the Mind Stone also didn't work with my headcan, so it would have never never have occurred to me. So it's interesting to see where people go, and I would say in in any of these theories, I've seen at least a dozen stories um, that play on that theory um, with varying degrees of success. Yeah. yeah. I agree. If he was going to make an evil robot, it would have been, you know, when he was young and angsty and drunk a lot. But instead, he made Jarvis. So, even in his darkest moments, he didn't make an evil murder bot. Something beautiful came out of it. So, um... But I have not really read anything, at this point, what I would consider a unique theory about where Ultron came from. That's not a challenge. I'm not trying to challenge anybody. I'm just saying that all of these theories are explored, you know, 
to varying degrees by the authors who write post Age of Ultron. Um, I think the thing I see the most is either that it's just the Mind Stone, that the Mind Stone just did it, or or Thanos. Those are the two that, from my reading, are the ones that are the most prevalent. But it could be that I just nope out of the stories where it seems like Tony's getting too much of the blame for Ultron. So I may... So has that been you guys' experience too? Was that it's mostly either it's just the Mind Stone or it's come from Thanos. Hydra is certainly less common. And I think pro-Tony writers tend to not want to blame Ultron on him. But I've still seen it. I've still seen it. But I do I, think... I don't... I've not read anything post-Ultron because I... I'm... It makes me unhappy. <laughs> I haven't read any. I don't read anything post from a soldier. To be perfectly honest, because it's just so. Yeah, that's why I. I'm well. I mean, I. I Avengers was my stop point in canon because I don't like Iron Man three for the most part. Well, for for the entire part, I hate that movie. It actually may be my bottom. Age of my bottom movies definitely include. And, and and which ones at the absolute bottom varies from day to day, but the the bottom three would ha are the movies I'm discussing, right? Which was Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, and and Civil War. Those are my three, and two of those are Captain America movies. So you know, clearly I don't like Captain America, I guess. But it, but I wanted to like Steve. You know, I wanted to like him. They just fucked that up for us. Yeah, um, but so my those are my three. So, so I didn't have any really real incentive to want to write, like, write or read later in the canon. But once Civil War came out, and I heard about what had happened in Civil War, and then the movies that came out after Civil War, um, and I really enjoyed Doctor Strange and Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok, I was more interested in reading later in the canon, and that's when I started coming across all these different theories about Ultron, and I started to notice, like how prevalent they were and and everybody has a theory about every every story i've read that in any way deals with ultron or civil war pretty much has a theory about what was responsible for ultron and it it all it all hit in that for in those four which is when i talked to kira about it and i said it might be interesting to explore you know at some point do some podcasts about you know what fan and theories that develop and how they develop, why they develop, and and then maybe pick apart how plausible they are or what the implications are if that theory is true. Um, so that's where that's where this came from. And just because we like to bitch about Marvel, <laughs> that that's always a thrilling bonus. <laughs> We decided to complain about Marvel. It's 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 get it's extra, it's extra bonus. A thrilling, thrilling bonus. Um, so, like I said earlier, if you guys have any ideas about other fanons we could um, do this with, um, feel free to drop them in the um, question section, and uh, which we'll check them out and add them to the list. Um. <clears throat> I think it'd be really interesting to explore different ones. Let's see. Um, we're going to do a Fanon versus Canon um, Sentinel uh, podcast. We have a whole bunch of Sentinel podcasts lined up for next year. Um, 
to kind of prepare for Year of the Sentinel on Rough Trade because we're going to be doing it all year. We're going to dig in all year so I can deliver another pair of birds to the Sentinel fandom. We're with you. <laughs> all of my love, Sentinel. All of my love. <clears throat> what I would say about the... Um, Never mind. I don't want to say it on the podcast because just be adding fuel to that fire. <laughs> Uh-oh. I want to say something. I want to say one thing. When you've been in the fandom for a long time and someone new comes into your fandom and they bring uh, new energy, new ideas, um, a new love for what you already love, attacking them does you and your fandom no favors. Because I could have spent years in the Sentinel fandom and I could have been very happy doing so. I had six works in progress for the Sentinel. You bitches ruined it for everybody. They've been sitting unfinished since I, the whole thing went down on the Awakening. So whenever you have, whenever you see that in fandom, you know, just you got to acknowledge, uh, even if they're taking attention away from you or, or whatever they may be doing, or if they, you know, they win all your awards you expected to win or whatever. Um, getting that kind of new blood in your fandom, especially in old fandom, is fucking awesome. Yeah, it really is. I'm just saying. And it does amuse me that I run a series of challenges on a regular basis that throw a whole bunch of Sentinel fan fiction out there into the fandom. And that really, Rough Trade is responsible for the hugest amount of Sentinel fa fan fiction that enters the fandom practically every single time we have a challenge. Um, we bring it. And it's just, I'm really happy about that. And I'm really thrilled with that. And I think the next year we're going to have a really good time with the Sentinel. It's going to be a, a whole lot of fun. It, yeah, I think it's going to be great. Everybody can go, oh, thank God the year of the Canon Divergence was over. <laughs> For real? <laughs> Someone get me back to my AUs. I want my, I want my, I want my. I want my universe level trope here. What are we calling that? We had a, we had a, we had a be the name we gave that thematic tropes i want my thematic trope back <laughs> i am perfectly happy to be canon adjacent for the rest of my life <laughs> and we haven't even gotten through november yet Whew, okay she doesn't want to she doesn't want to hear your shit but um I have four on the list already that I think would be really fun fan and series to kind of, you know, um, to play with, you know, to kind of dig into and, you know, talk about. Um, three of them are Harry Potter. Uh, and one of them is the role of the guy, which I think probably would work best in the canon versus fan podcast um, as far as like Stargate. I mean, as far as like Sentinel guides go. But the three I have are Interpretations of the Prophecy. Lily's mm -hmm. sacrifice and what it really was or what it could have been or what it should have been or what, you know, whatever. And the veil of death and how it works. So I have those three. So if you guys have any, 
that'd be really fun to add to the list and um, we can um, do some podcasts on that. Well, with any show that doesn't make sense, we could do a fan and what fan and podcast of, you know, what the fuck were they thinking? Um, <laughs> what, do, what do you think the creators intended? <laughs> um, because like with, when it comes to like w with NCIS, do we know what the hell they actually intended with Ziva? Because they sure sent us some mixed messages. And a lot of the theories around and the way people write, there are things we write that as if they're factual that are really fanon when it comes to us. That is the most especially true in the Sentinel and Guide um, uh, trope. Um, practically all guide stuff you use in your in your in your fanfiction is um, is fanon. Yeah. Like I would say, ninety eight percent of it is fanon. It's super fun. Well, I love it. You know, I love that. Yeah. Because, well, I think the reason why we like the guide thing is because we want to see there be balance between Equality. the two partners, right? And for there to be balance, you know, there needs to be one. I don't know. It's just I don't know about anybody else, but I don't tend to find it appeal as appealing when one side of a pairing is just, um you know, rocking an analog while the other half of the pairing is all up in the digital. So, um, I like the quality too. Yeah. The quality I wanna, and balance. Ba I want there to be, I want there to be balance. So it, I think the guide, the guide thing gives us balance. And, and that's one of the reasons why we like it as much as we do is because we really do like that, that the balance that it provides us. Um, but I like, I liked what, uh, <laughs> Dark Seraphina said above, Teen Wolf, did the writers intend for us to hate Scott? <laughs> I don't know why that it just had me struck, really tickled my funny bone. But there is a whole history behind the guide slave fic. Um, it started, I think, as a movement with um, the GDP series. I think her name is Susan. I forget the the full pen name. Um, and it uh, it caught fire. Apparently, I was not in the fandom when it when it first started, but like there was like one fic, and then there were a hundred. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah, like it was just a really, really um, uh, contagious trope. It's like it's like uh, the uh, ABO thing. Um, yeah, ABO exploded for a while there. ABO is still it's very I mean, popular. ABO. Um, every time I turn around, it's like it's slowly. Unlike the, well, where a slave thing it can exist in any fandom, GDP sort of caused the whole slave thing to really go like crazy in the in the Sentinel fandom. Um, but. ABO, I see it creeping its way um, across every fandom. Um, it, it's kind of disturbing, really. ABO is is the kind of um, those of you who aren't aware of it, the alpha 
beta omega trope and in the trope um there are alphas and the betas and then there are omegas and omegas go into heat and it's usually a mindless heat where they um are incapable of consent um where alphas mount them and fuck them repeatedly and they don't care and that that that's essentially what it is in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Um, and this trope is so generic that you can stick it in any fandom. And the thing is, I have seen people do things with the trope where they, you know, they're trying, they're basically trying to take the ugly parts out of it. And I've seen some people do that very successfully. I've seen people, um, say that they're going to take the ugly parts out of the trope and actually what they do is just invert it. There was one story I read where they said that they were removing the problematic elements of the trope. Um, and what, what wound up happening was that the alpha was the one deprived of consent. And I wondered if they even registered that that's what they did. That's the way they wrote it. Is that, you know, they basically wrote that the Omega goes and finds the alpha they want. They keep, they're in full possession of their faculties, but that it was against, basically, society said alphas couldn't say no to an Omega when they came to them. I'm like, that is not solving the problems with this trope. That is creating whole new ones. Holy shit. Um, I, tr I, I tried to write an Alpha and Omega fic, and you guys watched me try to do it on Rough Trade for those of you who were participating at the time, and I stumbled because of the heat. Um, because no matter how I arranged it in my head, Keeping the heat specifically was is deeply problematic because once you have your character in heat and they're incoherent, if you if, when you go that route in the ABO, they aren't capable of withdrawing consent. Right, and that's the vital aspect of consent. Is now I did restructure how heats work in uh, subversive. Where it and they, I call it heat, but it's not. It, there's no mindlessness, um, and it only happens with mated pairs. And the omega decides when they're going to have a heat, and it's just for like 48 hours. And really, it's just you know. But there's no mindlessness, so they could stop if they want to. They just you know they're doing it to because they want to have a fuck par a fuck party thing. But um. I mean, I'm not even sure I want to keep the word heat because it's so di disconnected from the ABO trope. I don't know. I might actually rework that one part of it to just be about conception. That, you know, when they're ready to have children, that they, you know, sort of turn the lights on, as it were. But um, I had to stop writing it because I couldn't. Because it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable to introduce mindlessness into an inability to. And when I eventually write Ponfar for Tangled Destinies, it won't be like Ponfar I've seen in fandom. Yeah, Ponfar is another one that can be very uncomfortable to read. It's like, um, especially the stories that really play up of like, if you, if you try to leave, you're going to get hurt. It's like, do we really need to add that element? Do we really need to add uglier elements than, than canon already gives us? In that case, canon is giving us some ugly elements. Um, 
The thing is, is canon really doesn't give us ugly elements of Ponfar. What we see in Ponfar in um in um that particular episode is that Spock has a desire to mate, and it will kill him if he doesn't. But fighting to what he thought was the death was enough to shove him out of Ponfar. So it's not fuck or die. Well, but I mean, to me, that that's just ugly conceptually. Even if he, even if it's not the, what actually happened, he believed it. He believed he would die if he didn't have sex. And he was, that, that to me is enough ugliness. I don't find that to be a particularly. Oh, it's a very unattractive element. But it wasn't, but Fanon took it to a different level. Oh, Fanon made it, Fanon made it like criminal. But. I, I don't find the concept of Ponfar to be anything but ugly as it was presented in canon. In Enterprise, she goes through Ponfar and but she doesn't have any kind of I I don't remember it very well what happened with T'Pol's Ponfar. It was like she got help with it, but I don't think she actually had sex with anybody. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't remember that. But um, it, it definitely is heavily implied that there was sex in um, Search for Spock. Yeah, which was kind of creepy considering it was. Yeah, um, considering it was very creepy. I mean, she was. She. It was like she was offering herself up to keep him from suffering but considering his age and and his lack of mental faculties at that point it just it, it was it made me very uncomfortable i mean I, I didn't feel like that he could give informed consent i mean yes i don't know it they made it uncomfortable on both sides for me so yeah now in Voyager, their Vulcan goes through Ponfar and um, he just goes to the holodeck. <laughs> or apparently he had one in a holodeck and one that ended in a fight. I mean, the thing is, being really horny, okay, if they wanted to, to go, like, I really, my body's driving me to want to fuck. Uh, somebody get me a dildo right now. But I I'd be, I'd probably be fine with that. It's the fact that they have this whole element that is so pervasive. That is, um, if I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes to whoever's nearby when my heat gets here. I, I just, and the, and like the stories where they lock themselves up in the hospitals to keep from having sex with somebody they don't like. I mean, that's just really ugly. We, do we need this? Yeah. No, we no, really we don't. don't. But um. Yeah, I would say that the, the the ABO trope is probably one of the most um, disgusting ones that I saw birthed in fandom. It's like, because I wasn't there when the slave thing, thing started, the, um, the GDP thing started in um, the Sentinel. I wasn't there for it. Uh, I saw the aftermath. I don't read the fic. I wouldn't read the fic if you paid me. Um, I I, st I stumbled across a fic once where Jim had to register as a Sentinel, and this was a Sentinels were known, which is my favorite 
obviously it's my favorite type of sentinel fic um and i was reading it and he had he was in the center he was in the sentinel center center you know getting all of his training and stuff and in order to leave the facility he had to wear a chastity device what he had to wear a cock ring but he also had to wear something in his anus that was locked into place so he couldn't be taken advantage of. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I, I closed it. Because I was like, what the fuck kind of world does he live in? I can't. I can't. I can't take that risk. I can't. I, I, I can't. He had to come back. To, he would have had to come back to center um, to the center and get unlocked because he didn't even have his own key um, to go to the bathroom. <sighs> Yeah, he was caught trying to leave the country and was forced to register. And I was like, what is this? What am I reading? What is this? I never really encountered it before. And then I... I, and I was like, what What kind of fucking world does he live in? And I had to close it. it there's something because of the... I, I, well, I can actually kind of draw like, some connections on that, but I don't really want to. Um about how it came to be, but there, there are aspects of the Sentinel canon that that I think inspired people to want to go to really, really ugly places about like government control and and all this stuff, and it just it, it just introduced Sentinel introduced so many ugly tropes into itself. I mean, that are pretty much a lot of it stayed very fandom specific, that you didn't see some of that kind of stuff in other fandoms, and and fandom. I mean, granted, we saw we've seen slavery in original fiction you know, as long as there's been original fiction, pretty much, and seeing it fetishized and that kind of thing. But fandom really does birth sometimes some really horrifying concepts that that then trickle into mainstream fiction. And I really wish they wouldn't. The first time I saw an ABO story on for sale on Amazon, I went, I mean, I, it's like I almost, dropped my, I almost dropped my coffee. I was like, come on, really? Come on really? now. This where we this is where we gone. This is where we go. Yeah, but ABO um uh, ABO has most certainly crossed over into original fic now. Um, oh, hard hardcore. I and Amazon. And the thing is, because I've I've actually a couple of times I was like, is that what it seems like it is? Click. And I click click on it. Amazon's yeah. wrecking me ABO stories all the time. I'm like, oh, stop it. That was a mistake. Please. You think they're only wreck you shit you actually bought, right? No. If you look at it, it's going to be on your list forever. I, I think they actually look, click. They actually wreck you more the stuff that you click on and don't buy than the stuff that you do. It's like, well, she's already bought that. Could you recommend me more stuff like Kira Marcos and Lexi Bain since that's the stuff I've bought, as opposed to, you know, stuff you have not bought. <laughs> Naughty Boys, K N O T T Y. Dear God, I don't know if that's actually the name of the series. I, I made that up, but there was a series that had a pun on not. So I'm just making something up called Naughty Boys. <laughs> it, that may exist. Okay. I don't know. Now I got to go look. Motherfucker. That's not the series <laughs> I was thinking. <laughs> because, okay. There was a moment. Um, it's rope bondage. Okay. There's a bunch of stuff about rope bondage if you do that search term. <laughs> But 
But there was um, there was this moment. I don't remember what the series was called anymore. But there's this moment when I was when I was doing my my book, my book, my art form for my book that went came out last month. One of the things on the art form that the publisher asked is what kinds of thing, what kind of book covers do you find appealing? You know, what give us some links to books that book covers you find appealing, which is really thoughtful that they are asking. You know, what do you like to look at? And um, and um, I'm like, I, I pulled some covers that I liked from Cobblestone, and then I went over to Amazon, and I'm looking through the top 100, um, like, gay romances and stuff to find something. And one of, and I thought, oh, that's a beautiful cover. And I don't remember what the actual series title was, but it was something like Boys Who Not. And I didn't see the series title, just the cover, and I clicked on it, and it was an, is it an ABO series. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't care how, how pretty I find that cover. I am not sending this to my publisher. <laughs> I'm not putting this on the form and telling my publisher that I really like this cover. Because she's going to look at that and go, huh, interesting. Um, can, can we, can we expect this from her? No, you cannot. <laughs> no, you cannot. I will not be writing that. It really was a very pretty cover, but I just I didn't couldn't read anything about it till I clicked on it, and I was like, <sighs> "Yeah, there was there was sighing, there was huffing. It was it was it was bad juju." So apparently, As has been running across this trope in in fic where unrequited love causes flowers to grow in the lungs of the one pining. I have seen this too. It it's which based can upon kill them. Yeah, eventually it will because. I actually read a story. An author I follow wrote one of these, and I was like, "You got got to be kidding me!" So I read it, and she actually tried to come up with a scientific scientific explanation for why this happens. And I think the more she tried to explain it, the less it worked. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't even bother if I was going to write something like this, and I wouldn't. Um, it, it would just be magic because um, it would just be magic. There's there's no other reason that it could possibly happen if unless it was magic. I just you got to go with magic because trying to explain like that the endocrine system does this and this and this and this. <sighs> Earlier, I was in uh, a group on Facebook, like I said, because I was bored, and they're talking about um, inserting a lot of angsty reality into your fic, and uh, you know, writing about trauma and you know and PTSD. And the thing is, is um, I write to make myself happy and writing that kind of thing would make me miserable. So why would I do that? You know? Yeah, exactly. So I don't like to write tragic love stories that end with somebody dies. I mean, I know Nicholas Sparks gets a lot of money for it, but whatever, Nicholas. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to delete this, but I'm just going to share it with you guys. So you get like a few seconds to click on it and see the book cover that I was so enamored with. It's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book cover. Yes, it is until you get close and then you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, I mean, it's a beautiful cover. I'm just going to leave it at that. But I can see why you wouldn't have wanted to share that. No. Yeah, because I just was looking at little thumbnails, right? And so I go, oh, that's pretty. Click. Oh, well, that's not. I mean. 
Yeah, we're all gonna get wrecked on that. So next time you see uh, you're on Amazon and you get a wreck for a, a book about something like that, you can say, "Damn it, damn it, Jilly." <laughs> You're welcome. I shouldn't be the only one getting recommendations about this kind of stuff. Now we're all going to get them. I guess I could have just pasted the cover in, but uh, you know, <laughs> well, you guys, you wouldn't be able. To, this way, you can share the pain. That's why I can't share the pain. And you know, it's not like it's not like we. I don't have experience with this with like my friends linking me to dino porn books as because i'm pretty sure it was as who first linked me to the taken by the t-rex <sighs> taken by the t-rex yeah taken by the t-rex um you know honestly taken by the t-rex isn't nearly as upsetting to me as that whole series of books by that dude who who the the main character gets fucked by a plane like, or, my or train, or my helicopter. It, it, it's totally plain. I'm in love with my dinosaur boss. You know, helicopter boss. I mean, it's the same guy. <laughs> pounded it, in the ass by his own ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chuck that Tingle. guy, Chuck Tingle. Chuck yeah. There's something. There's something magical about Chuck Tingle, and I don't he, know what it is. He did, but, I, he but the, I hope it's not contagious. Isn't he the one who wrote "Taken by the T Rex"? Though he did not write. Taking about the T-Rex. That that was a couple of women, I believe. I don't want to search for this in my main. New incognito window. I truly do not want to search for taking Chuck the T-Rex. Tingle writes things about gay unicorn bikers. <sighs> You're right. It. Taking by the T-Rex was written by two women. Yeah. But when you search for taking by the T-Rex, the very next... The next thing is is a Chuck Tingle. Handsome, <laughs> handsome, sentient food pounds my butt and turns me gay. Eight tales of hot food and beverage love. <laughs> it's only five ninety nine on sale. You know, you know, I, I shouldn't laugh. Your kink is not my kink. And see, we've talked. And that's we've, okay. We've we've talked about Chuckles before. He is like one of our rare exceptions where we'll talk about like an author's name because he totally owns his 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 crazy, right? I mean, um he's probably got a book like Pounded by the British Pound or something like that. It's, this is just the way he is, right? Taken by the gay unicorn biker. It is actually literally a unicorn on a bike. <sighs> It's a unicorn riding a motorcycle. I was going to do with a unicorn head. It's like, it's like a reverse centaur. Uh, well, it's got legs. I think what they did is they bought it. The art, the, the stock photo they used had a guy sitting on a bike yeah. and they photoshopped a unicorn's head on it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is exactly what they did. Centcorn. Slammed by it, it. Oh my god, <laughs> I was right. It does exist. Pounded by the pound. Slammed <laughs> by the substantial amount of press generated by my book. Pounded by the pound. Turned gay by the socioeconomic implications of Britain leaving the European Union. <laughs> I was totally making shit up, and there really is that story. <laughs> 
Chuck, I love you wherever you are. From the I mean, Hugo nominated author Chuck Tingle. Is Chuck Tingle actually nominated for a Hugo? That is amazing. I hope he won one. I do. I do too. The thing is, he can put he can crank out one of these tinglers in like a couple of days and get it up on Amazon, right? So like some event in the world happens, like, you know, a cheese puff becoming president. <laughs> and <laughs> next next thing you know, there will be a tingler about it, like three days later. He's he's on it. And it's just it I would never buy one. But you know, good on you, Chuck. <laughs> What do you mean they changed the rules so he can't? What do you mean? Like I missed a comment or something. In 2016, Space Raptor Butt Invasion was shortlisted for a Hugo Award for Best Short Story in the prestigious Hugo Awards for Science Fiction. This stemmed from a campaign by the alt-right Rabid puppies group, a faction of the sad puppies movement that laments the perceived political Politicis, politicis, I can't say that. I can hear it in my head, but I can't say it. Politica, um, political, politicalization, 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 whatever of science fiction. However, Tingle disavowed the campaign, saying via his Twitter account that it was the work of devils, and that if his book were to win, video game designers and anti-harassment activist Zoe Quinn would accept the award on his behalf. His story did not win. Tingle subsequently published Pounded in the Butt by My Hugo Award Loss. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> uh. Oh, so her. Oh, okay. So you're saying he ch they changed the rules for winning the Hugo Award, so he can't win. Okay. Um, for the record, science fiction is politicized. Politicized. Thank you, brain. Um, since about five minutes after it was invented. Well, that's true. True. Because it was invented by a woman, and so therefore. <laughs> well, Chuck. All the love to you, buddy. Not that you're listening to this podcast, but we admire your, what's the word? Spunk. <laughs> we admire your spunk, buddy. <laughs> Jillian, go get in the corner. <laughs> sorry. No, you're not. You're not remotely sorry. I'm really not. <laughs> Mm -mm. I'm just I'm just tickled with myself that I <laughs> joked about him having a story called Pounded by the Pound and he really had one. <laughs> well he's got he's got a story about pounding his own ass with his ass. So <laughs> <laughs> Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Pounded in the ass of my own airplane. But yeah, Frankenstein, um, Mary Shelley is um, is the, the mother of science fiction. <clears throat> Sentient lesbian jet ski gets me off. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is so much going on in that title. Bisexually sandwiched by my sentient peanut butter husband and our new living jelly girlfriend. Wow. Yeah. 
Jesus. Not pounded by anything. Six platonic tales of non-sexual encounters. <laughs> it's one of the few Tingle books that has no reviews because people don't buy Check Follow Check Tingle to read No Sex. Yeah, because really, if I'm going to buy a Chuck Tingle book, I expect to see a 747 pounding somebody's ass. Not that I would buy a... Uh... Yeah, okay, so this this one's available on KU, for those of you who are interested. Nice guy dinosaur doesn't pound me in the butt because I'm not interested and he's not actually nice. He's just annoying and creepy and doesn't respect when I tell him we're not on a date. <laughs> That's the title. That is very specific. And if you are interested in a space raptor, um, there's a space by my handsome fidget spinner. <sighs> Pounded in the butt by Cause Fifi. That's a misspelling from the Cheetos Twitter. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Jesus, this is just, I don't even, I don't even check. Slammed in the butt by my sentient plant-based vegetarian cheeseburger. Uh, no, Chuck. No. no. You went you're, not gonna ruin, you're not going to ruin cheeseburgers for me. Not even vegetarian ones. Sandy, go get in the corner. <laughs> Oh, Ellie. <laughs> My T-Rex barber is a lesbian. Okay. That sounds like an observation. You know Actually, I think it'd be very hard to be a T-Rex lesbian. Probably. I mean, think about the little arms. <laughs> the little arms. The little arms. I just <laughs> heavy. Wait a minute. What does that say? Heavy metal unicorn lawyer sings into my sings into my butthole legally. <laughs> At least it's legal. You know something? I have to say, you you sign up to be a stock model, and you put your photographs <laughs> up, and and the next thing you know, you're on a single book. <laughs> With a unicorn. <laughs> or worse, your face has been superimposed over a cheeseburger that's about to go <laughs> up somebody's ass. <laughs> There's a Bitcoin in my butt. <laughs> this is what happens when this is what might happen to you if you decide you're going to be a Get your, your photo up on a stock photo site. Chuck Tingle might be buying your photo. I don't know which is worse. I think being your face being superimposed over the cheeseburger. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Why don't, is there a Planet of the Apes ape on, on that cover? Don't vote for Virginia. Congressional hopeful... Denver Wingle Wiggleman because he is full of hate not because Bigfoot makes him hard. That's a Bigfoot. Okay. Okay. That's a Bigfoot. 
<laughs> Pounded in the butt by my second Hugo Award nomination. <laughs> now the guy's a rocket. <laughs> I still think having your face superimposed over a cheeseburger is <laughs> worse. And yes, yeah, I, I, I mean, considering what's going to happen to that cheeseburger, apparently, yeah, in that story, I he, mean. He, he does write all of his titles in first person, so is it all a self-insert? I mean, because now I want to go over and click on it and read an excerpt, but then I probably will pee my pants, so I'm just saying. I'm not sure I can handle that. I've not not... The only, the only thing I'm remotely familiar with about this genre of story was Queenie. reading... Oh my god, Queenie. Was what was... <laughs> What was what was his say? What what's her name? Who read take part excerpts from Taken by the T Rex? Um, Emma Blackery. Emma Blackery. Yeah, I we we all. If you be sure you pee first, but Emma Blackery reading excerpts from Taken by the T Rex is hysterical, which is how I got familiar with the unicorn the butt thing. cops breach beach patrol. You know, if anybody who come, anybody who has to listen to this podcast is going to come and they're going to go into the podcast chat room and they're going to go, what in the world happened last night? <laughs> so they're going to go to the pod. Oh, that's what happened. The handsome physical manifestation of Autumn turns me gay. And there's a dude with a pumpkin on his head. <laughs> well, at least it's a, it's, it's a, an actual human shaped thing as opposed to an actual cheeseburger shaped thing. <laughs> My favorite part of Emma reading those books is actually when her yeah when her dad walks in and he calls her a dirty bastard. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio finally wins his award and it pounds him in the butt. Did he write RPF? <laughs> oh, he 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 did he spell the name off by one letter? Yeah, he did. Caprico. <laughs> Caprico. Caprico. Angry man pounded by the fear of his latent gayness over a dinosaur transitioning into a unicorn. <laughs> What's wrong with this man? <laughs> I don't know, but he's all in on his crazy and and I applaud him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I I kind of doubt it. <laughs> poor lady holder. She's... Probably not exactly that, but I think it's probably meant to be that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's supposed to make you think that, yeah. Dun 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 dun. Although I think the funniest pun I made all night went right by everybody. It went right by all you guys. I think that's sad. I don't. I don't know what to say about you guys anymore. You guys, you should catch my puns. Well, now I feel like I need now. Now I have to listen to the podcast. So I can figure out what I missed. No, I just said that he writes his titles all in first person. So are these all self inserts? Oh, 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 God! Why aren't you in the corner? <laughs> I am in the corner. I got sent to the corner a while ago. 
frankly, I think there's probably been too many things inserted in his ass. His character's ass. And possibly even his. I mean, for all we know. He's very focused on it. He's very focused on his ass. And his ass getting pounded. By his Hugo Award. <laughs> As even, I mean, a lady holder even keeps track of when I was sent to the corner. She said I was sent there over the ejaculation pun. In another world, Chuck Tingle is a surrealist modernist painter who makes deep, introspective paintings of blobs representing the suffering of the human consciousness and the deconstruction of nature by technology. In this one, he writes porn based on Twitter memes. And is that actually his bio, or is that what you said? Because <laughs> if that's not his bio, it certainly should be. And in a yet another universe, he writes Vogon poetry, so I've decided that Chuck Tingle is secretly a Vogon. Lonely author pounded by dinosaur social media followers. Why dinosaurs? Why, what, what is this fixation on people getting banged by dinosaurs? I don't know, but it, we, we should probably go over to AO3 and get into the Jurassic Park fandom, Jurassic World fandom, and ask no. them. Because no. there's like a whole fucking tag dedicated to Owen and Blue, and it's not about growing up, no, and raising a baby dinosaur, no. Hard for Hardwick, pounded in and the blue's butt on a girl by the physical manifestation of my own handsome late night comedy show. Oh, so fucked by yourself? Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. Aren't we all? I'm going to throw this out there. This is something that came up sort of semi-recently. Um, about that just because that, that people use things in different ways, but it doesn't mean that they're wrong. Now, sometimes they're just wrong. We like to, we like to cut. I think that there's a, 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 a I, I'm totally down for tolerance, right? But we don't need to, like, every time, like, people use something incorrectly, it doesn't mean that they just learned a different way. It just means that they didn't ever learn the right way, right? Um, so specifically, it's sort of like, you know, I mean, if somebody spells per se, P-E-R-S-A-Y, it doesn't mean that that's just the way they learned. They're just doing it wrong. And it seems like we are like pathologically allergic to saying that's wrong. So, and I say this because the slash between two characters in a tag is a romantic relationship and quit saying, Oh, I didn't learn it that way. That's not how we do it in my fandom. It's how we do it. Every fucking fandom. In fact, slash is called slash because of the fucking slash. That's right. That's the origin of it. So you can't just, if you stick a slash between two characters names, we're going to assume they're fucking. Yeah. And so I mean, I get it. You're like trying to be, I, Trying to be like, you know, not everybody uses it that way. Well, it's just because they're wrong. Using it wrong doesn't mean that I need to not point it out. <gasps> Dark. Get over here in the corner with me. She She's done the ultimate disrespect. Did you see? I have to go back down. <gasps> you may never get out of the corner. <laughs> But yeah, somebody did somebody did a Tim McGee. They did a they did a uh, they did a Tom E. Jim City pounded in the butt by Chuck Tingles Hugo by Tuck Chingle. 
but what what darks in the corner in the corner for was pounded in the butt by my own podcast with chuck tingle now chuck tingle does actually have his own podcast right his podcast is hosted by the welcome to night veil people of course he did but i don't i don't i blame the person who shared it i get blamed for the things i share <laughs> blame credit yeah i share excellent plot bunnies they're glorious and wonderful I'm fucking inspiring over here. I'll have you know. Hugely. Hugely inspiring. I know. I can tell by the number of people who use your ideas and don't give you credit. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Scary stories to tingle your butt. Seven tales of gay terror. (sighs) Is this going to involve a lack of lube? Probably. Um, that uh, green guy, I'm pretty sure if he if he wasn't green and he had a human head, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that body on the cover of other books. That's uh, it does who's... look kind of familiar. And right? then is, is that Frankenstein book Bigfoot or is it Bigfoot Frankenstein? I think that's a gorilla mummy. Gorilla mummy. That is that is that is some shit. That is Gorilla Mummy. Good night, Margaret. If anybody calls you, tell them you don't want any peach preserves. Every time she, when she, whenever she says good night, I'm always tempted to go, Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. <laughs> I actually love the name Margaret, but I can't help but tease her. Because she know. knows we love her. <laughs> <laughs> but it the is line- past your bedtime, sweetheart, so you need to go to bed. It is a better line coming from her. The It's Me Margaret is much more effective from somebody actually named Margaret. <laughs> I'm not sure she was old enough for any of this conversation. I feel like we've corrupted a youngster with all this all this Chuck Tingle talk. I mean, you know I just called her a youngster. I need to like put myself back in the corner. I'm tempted to download a sample of one of these books to my Kindles just to get the phone call from my mom. <laughs> you could just gift it to your mother. That'd be the best prank because of all time. my mom and I share a Kindle account. We share an Amazon account. So she has access to all the things that I buy um, because she shares my Amazon account, right? And so every once in a while, she'll be going through um, on her iPad and she'll see something that I've bought and she'll so, hey, what'd you buy this for? Is it useful? You know, she's all in my damn business, right? So, it would be really amazing and funny to download Pounded in the Ass by my 747 or whatever it was, just to see what my mom oh, would say when she saw it. Definitely, 
it definitely had would have to be sentient lesbian jet ski gets me off. <laughs> I wonder if there's a way to sort. My handsome really? mountain bike is a doctor and he pounds my butt. Come really on now. <laughs> oh, I, I. They superimposed a face onto a mountain bike. I'm just going to apologize in advance. You're apologizing now? Oh my God, what are you going to share with us? <gasps> I can't. I'm ruined. I'm ruined for life. Yeah. I'll, never be, I'll never be the same. Oh my god. <laughs> I had to click on that to get you guys that picture. I hope you appreciate this. Let me sac- let me let me try to read it out loud. Oh, good luck. Domald Trump pounded the butt in the butt by the handsome Russian T-Rex who also peed on his butt and then blackmailed him with the videos of his butt getting peed on. <laughs> From Hugo-nominated author Chuck Tingle. Wait, you're sending me to the corner or her to the corner? I'm already, She's in, already the in the corner. <laughs> Hearst is coming to rescue you. (laughs) (laughs) I think Queenie wants me to stay in the corner. Queenie's in the corner. Queenie's been in the corner most of the night. And in case one space raptor is not enough for you, there's a space raptor butt trilogy. You weren't in the corner. You should have been. Just, you know, for reasons. Yeah, I think we're out of corners, really, to be perfectly honest. Chuck Tingle. You gotta admire his... Kutzpah? <laughs> but again, the final days of pounding ass. <laughs> uh, I just I just found Pounded in the... Oh my god, the cover of Pounded in the Butt by my own butt. I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> Why does your butt have wings? How did your butt pound your butt? I mean, this was like, I mean, did the butt get cloned? With okay. wings? Here we go. Pound on the butt by my own butt. <laughs> See, he still has his butt. So, how'd that work? And what is... What is trailing out of the butt? <laughs> I was just thinking... <laughs> well, I don't think it's pixie dust. Pounded in the butt by my constantly changing thoughts on the ongoing mystery of Chuck Tingle's real identity. I love how he embraces, he puts on his covers from Hugo nominated author Chuck Tingle. (laughs) He's all in on that front. Canada pounds my butt and covers my pancakes with real maple syrup in an erotic way. Also, it is delicious. (laughs) 
Well, you know, actually, maple syrup is delicious. Maple syrup is a delight. Buttception. A butt within a butt within a butt. <laughs> oh, there's the uh there's the winged butt again. <laughs> With the pixie dust, I guess. Can you really have a threesome with your butt and your own butt? <laughs> and a unicorn. And a unicorn. I mean, and of course a unicorn. Because of course if there's a threesome involved, there's going to be a unicorn. Poor Queenie. She says she's checked out. <sighs> I might be slightly checked out myself. I don't think I can bear to look at another one of these covers because I have no idea what Amazon's going to do with my book recommendations. <laughs> the question the question becomes is just how big is his market? Uh, uh. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Some people probably buy all of his books just to be amused by them. I have well, to I'm... I have to, I have to think that they're amusing. <sighs> Except they're not just creature. They're inanimate objects. As well. So I'm just, you know, I'm curious as to what his market share is. Because, um, I don't know. I just. And if he's using a paragraph library. Because he sure is pushing out the books. Yeah. What's the average length on them? Well, that lesbian jet ski one, I think, is like twelve, eleven dollars or something. But it's on sale for only six. But most of them are like three ninety nine. I think his average length is like twenty or thirty pages. So he's selling short stories per Wikipedia. He it has to be because he, he he's self publishing and he's not editing. If he's putting out a book in three days, yeah, he, he I've seen him put books out really quickly. Like it'll be like done. I mean, maybe he's just a very clean writer. It's just, I don't know. It's Well, if Chuck, if they're keeping their identity secret, I don't think they'd let it out that they're, how many people are actually doing the writing. Yeah, but sometimes he's like seriously, stupidly on topic within like a two or three days yeah. of something happening. And I'm like, because it could take 24 to 48 hours just to get published on Amazon. So... If he's three days out from an event, one day he writes, the next day he publishes, then it comes out. Because it can take at least 12 hours to get a book through Kindle publishing. Like the actual technical part. I so I would think dog... it probably is more than one person. It could be. But they could, they could have like a bunch of stories that have no context that are just like waiting. That he just plugs in context. True, true. I mean, you know, he might have like some for his, you know, vehicular sex stories, he might have like a, an automobile story just waiting and then some he waits for some current event and he plugs in the necessary information. I don't know. Uh, but I think the doctor and Dr. Chuck Tingle is honorary. And since we have no way to prove it, 
Did, did, does it, he have a doctorate in butt pounding? I think he probably does. And in self-insertions. <sighs> After receiving his PhD at DeVry University in holistic massage. <sighs> Dark, just go ahead and get over here in the corner. L-E-U-2. <laughs> I mean, it's just... We, I think we're all in the corner tonight. We're just going to just rename this podcast the night we all spent the corner. <laughs> You're here too. You've seen worse, Lady Holder. She's seen way worse. Probably. She's participated in worse. What are you talking about? You can't buy happiness, but you can... <sighs> Huh. Okay. Um, so uh, to, to go back to the topic of the podcast and to discuss, and it's not on topic for the podcast, um, if somebody had mentioned um, in the questions about this, uh, about specifically about this podcast, um, about consequences related to Ultron. And actually, I think that reading the whole thing, I actually think, and Kira, you could go look at it too, is I think that that'd be like actually a whole different like series, like Marvel movies and what if there were actual consequences at the end of the movie? Not consequences to people, but what would have been the realistic ripples of the way these movies ended or the events in them? Because that's one of the things that I think was a disconnect for many, um, many, many readers was that there didn't seem to be consequences to these events from movie to movie. That there didn't seem to be any any real ripples or like. Not con not not like punitive consequences, but like just you know bad things happen. What were the consequences? Of them? They didn't seem to that didn't seem to exist. So, um, well, you know, honestly, that's that's like from almost um, the first movie. I mean, I mean, if you look at Avengers, um, they never tell us how many people died during the invasion. Yeah, there's no consequences to the, there. We do know there's no consequences to the World Security Council because they don't get you know um, dealt with until until. Uh, Winter Soldier. So I think that'd be like an interesting thing to explore is, you know, what would the realistic ripples have been if they had actually explored it and how should it have affected the next movie? And we'd probably, the thing is, is often once you do one of these, you find that future movies couldn't happen if there had been any kind of realistic consequences. But I don't think it would have been too on topic for tonight's podcast because we were talking specifically about the fan theories around how Ultron came to be as opposed to um, what the consequences of Ultron should have been, which is, a, I think, a different discussion. But I think it's a, it would be an interesting discussion, especially since we do like to bitch about the MCU. That's one of my yeah, unfortunately, our our major bitching podcast about the MCU um, didn't get recorded, which is unfortunate because it was it was quite good. Yeah, it got it. I um, mean, there was a little bit in the Agents of Shield about the Chitari tech that got left behind, um, but I mean, like the actual damage done to New York, like uh, the buildings that were destroyed, the jobs that were lost, the people that died because they didn't it, they didn't have time to evacuate Manhattan when it went down. Um, a lot of shit. I mean, a lot of people died during that, and um, it was never uh, discussed. Never. Or the events were in um, Civil War, where Bucky and Steve drop a uh, underground highway basically on a whole bunch of people to get away 
how many people did they kill? There's or are we no, not supposed to worry about that? We're not. I guess we're not supposed to even ask the question. How many people did Bucky and Steve kill escaping from custody? Those were just cops doing their job. And Steve attacked some of them with his shield. So, um, so the Russos say no one was killed, but I just don't. It just doesn't. It's just it. That's I it's would say unrealistic. That I'd say that they didn't lampshade that very well about how there could be no casualties or pardon me, fatalities. Yeah. They collapsed a fucking overpass. They killed people. People died. There had, it, it just, it's everybody. It's how many, like I've read stories that had it as little as three to stories that had as many as 50 or 60, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody write. Well, maybe not never, but. I would say it's definitely the exception that people write it at none because it's just not realistic that nobody was killed. But it's also not realistic that nobody died as a result of the shield data dump. Innocent people. It's also unrealistic about that too. So, but you know, MCU is terrible about any kind of realistic ramification. There's like, nobody even questions you guys shot a nuke at New York. Nobody even questions that in the movies. They just get mad that the Avengers had a fight. And also, in, in Age of Ultron, Hydra had a fucking Leviathan. It was in their lab, like like hanging from the ceiling. This this I don't know if it was just the exoskeleton or if it was the full thing, but Tony walks in and there's that Leviathan there in the Hydra lab, and nobody questions how how did Hydra... I mean, it's one thing for them to smuggle out a piece of Chitauri tech, but how did they get an entire Leviathan? Never, never even mentioned. It's never even questioned that it was there. Well, at that point, that was after um, um, Winter Soldier, right? True, but uh, the Department of Damage Control are the ones who are supposed to have cleaned up, which was not part of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, obviously, I mean, you know, he would have realized, I mean, he would have recognized that that probably was something that they took while they were in S.H.I.E.L.D. But it never comes up. No, it's just never explained. Because the, the Leviathans, we, we saw how big they were, right? I mean, it's not those giant space slugs. It's not something you're just going to smuggle out of shield in your backpack. Because um, they didn't just have whatever the, the, the skeleton of it was. They had the, the armor of it. So it, I, think it, I think that they just, that was poorly thought out to have that there because it, it raised questions for me. I'm like, how'd that get there? And why did they and leave we're just it gonna there? ignore it, huh? We're just gonna not say anything about it. We're just gonna ignore it. Okay. A Hydra outpost in what, Sokovia? I, it's just it was just utterly, utterly bizarre. <laughs> Poorly thought out. Give me a minute to dig out my surprise face. Yes, exactly, Queenie. So um, I do think that'd be interesting um, series to go through the various movies, especially the movies that really didn't deal with consequences and talk about what the realistic ramifications of these things would be and what that, the effect that that should have had on the series. Um, but I think that's a really different topic than what we were talking about tonight, which was just the various um, fan and explanations for what was going on and where Ultron came from. And, you know, 
and who was pounding him in the butt. One thing that bothered me about the whole thing about Steve Rogers almost murdering Tony Stark, beyond the fact that he almost murdered Tony Stark, is that it, um, when they do come face to face again, that doesn't seem to be one of the issues. No, but, you know, I had forgotten that Steve almost murdered Tony Stark in Age of Ultron. I had totally forgotten about that. That Steve, when, when Wanda told Steve, Wanda told Steve that when she was changing, first changing sides, she made the point to Steve in Age of Ultron that what would what would Tony do to fix his mistake? And so they all went charging back to the tower, convinced that Tony was going to try to make this AI again, which he was. And Steve came in and he threw his shield at Tony's head. Son of a bitch. Now, Tony managed to get his armor activated, but it doesn't change the fact that he didn't have it it, it, it. it That wasn't the situation when Steve came in. It, I mean, am I remembering that incorrectly? Did, he, did, did Steve not throw his shield at Tony's head to try to stop? Not at the cradle, but at Tony. Okay, no, that yeah, is, he did it. So wouldn't, wouldn't we call that attempted murder? Yeah. So why would Tony have had anything to do with Steve from that moment on? I mean, yeah, they had to save Sokovia. They had to, they had to do what they could to stop Ultron. But from the moment Ultron was defeated, why would he ever let Steve near him anyway? Steve tried to murder him. If he hadn't managed to get his armor activated, he'd have probably been beheaded. Which makes that whole thing, um, the whole theory about Wanda controlling them. Like, that's the moment when Steve Rogers turned. Then it seems actually very likely that Wanda is responsible. Yeah. I mean, that does seem like a realistic outcome because she did say to him, he's, they were talking about where's the cradle. They were, I don't remember where they were when they were, because Tony had the cradle and Wanda had changed sides and helped save that subway car. And Wanda, they were talking about, she said, if she, if she puts it out there, she's the one who puts it out there. What would Tony do to correct his mistake or something like that? Or he's so focused on correcting his mistake. And they all got this like enlightened look and took off. And the very the next thing was, is even then she was blaming him for right. cre the creation of Ultron when it was her fault. And the first thing Steve does, he doesn't say, Tony, stop. He throws a shield at him. I think she mind fucks them all. I don't think anybody was immune to it. The only person we don't know for sure whose head she got in was Clint. She got into everybody else's head. That's canon. Now, she might not have controlled him, but she definitely fucked with him. Because Steve... And Natasha both got those fear visions from their past that took them out of commission in South Africa. So did Thor. Thor Thor got more visions of the future. Thor and Tony both got visions of a sort of a future that hadn't come to pass. But um, Steve and um, Natasha both had visions, Steve from the war and Natasha from the Red Room. So she did, that canon, she did get in their in their in their head. Whether she mind controlled them and made Steve do anything is certainly a matter for fan and interpretation, but it's definitely she got in everybody's head except for Clint's. That we know I mean, she may have gotten in Clint's too, but on screen we know she touched everybody's mind but Clint's because that's all everybody, everybody on the team is shown being mind fucked by her except for Clint. There's no way I would ever consent to be in her presence again. Mm. 
And the fact that they do says a lot about how much um, influence she might have had on them. Well, when you say per canon, Clint was not mind controlled by Wanda. You mean like that, like the directors spoke to it or because I don't think there's anything in canon that says one way or the other. She could have been I mean, mind yeah, he caught her the first time she tried. But there's nothing to say that wasn't the only time she tried. I mean, just because she failed the first time doesn't mean... Because I think that that failure would have pissed her off. Yeah, I agree, I agree Dark. I believe that Clint felt bad about um, Petra's death because it served Wanda for him to feel because she couldn't make him believably sympathetic to her. Now, one of the things that I see is common fanon is that Tony didn't tell the team about, because Wanda affected Tony's mind in a completely different event than he affected everybody else. And he affected, she affected Bruce at a different time, as I recall. No, she got Bruce at the same time as he got, um, Steve and Natasha. Um, but Fanon, a lot of a lot of times I see in, in, in stories that Tony didn't tell the team that he'd been mine, but that's actually not canon. Canon, um, Steve, Tony did tell them. It's not overt that it's, it makes clear, but right after they receive recover the scepter, Steve and Tony are talking about the Maximoff twins and their their tricks, and they talk about what what Petra can do and what Wanda can do. And the only way they would really know that is if Tony had shared that information because it hadn't happened with the rest of the team yet. So it is implicit in canon that Tony did give that information to the team that she had given him a vision. Now, it, how much of the vision he shared with them, completely up to interpretation. But he clearly explained her mind powers. And honestly, it would be really irresponsible for him not to explain her ability to give people these visions. Um, it would almost be like grounds for being kicked off the team, in my opinion, that there's a bad guy out there who can mind fuck you and give you visions of terrible things. And you don't tell your team about it so that they can be at least prepared for what might happen to them. So the fanon interpretation that Tony didn't tell them what happened to him is doesn't make any kind of reasonable sense. The difference between Bucky and Wanda couldn't be bigger. Bucky was a hostage who was brainwashed and tortured. Wanda volunteered. Wanda joined Hydra. Yeah, but I there definitely is a lot of that fan theory out there that one of the reasons why Steve didn't disclose the truth and he wanted why he wanted Wanda on the team was because he believed that if because he knew about the Stark set he believed that if he could get the team to accept Wanda that he could easily get them to accept Bucky. I mean, I've seen it quite a bit. I just it, it bothers me because um, it, it it shows a more blindness than than makes sense for Steve, considering how much he hated Hydra and that the main enemy to Bucky was Hydra. But the big threat to Bucky was Hydra. That he would put somebody who voluntarily signed up with Hydra in Bucky's sphere, considering how he felt about Bucky, just didn't make any sense. Well. His final actions totally obliterate the entire path he took through the MCU. His 
rabid desire to protect Bucky Barnes was bullshit. Because in the end, he let Bucky Barnes spend 30 or 40 years in the hands of first the Russians, then Hydra, as a weapon. They let him be tortured. He let, Steve let Bucky be tortured and terrorized and brainwashed for decades. So I don't want anybody telling me Steve Rogers loved Bucky Barnes. Yeah. Well, canon, Endgame obliterated Steve's motivations, that's for sure. Yeah. But but the, a lot of the fan theories are there. Now, I have also seen the fan theory that Steve wanted Wanda around because he thought her mind powers might help Bucky get his memories back, or which is actually so ugly that Bucky, who's had his mind wiped over and over and over again, who has had all of his autonomy re- removed from him, is Steve's solution. Steve wants Wanda around to victimize him more. Is you know, honestly, the most wow. honest portrayal of Bucky Barnes with him to put a bullet in Wanda's head immediately upon seeing her. That would be, I, I, I'd be so down for that. Now, I've seen several stories where whatever point in time Bucky finds out that Wanda was Hydra, he walks away. He just walks away from Steve and says, fuck you, kind of. At various points. I mean, whether it be at the airport or whether it be later on or in um, Wakanda or in Siberia. Just whatever point he finds out about Wanda being Hydra, Bucky's like, oh, hell no. There's every reason to believe, considering when she got her gifts, that she participated in some of the later brainwashing sessions that Bucky endured. I think that's a reasonable interpretation, yeah. I think in fact I would... it makes sense that she probably did because she'd have been a lot she'd have been a lot more they might have even let her test her skills on him. I think I think because he was a high-valued asset, they'd want to be sure it wouldn't be early on in her tenure. It would be later. Um, because they wouldn't want her to, like, scramble they, his brain. And turn they might have away. let her investigate him since they, he was their only successful Winter Soldier. Yeah. So I'd totally be all in on a story where Bucky recognizes her right away and just puts a bullet right between her eyes. Because he's been on his own hiding for a few years now, right? So he could have gotten enough of his memories back to remember her if she participated in doing his mind wipes or in his torture or his brainwashing. Or if she was just one of the so-called scientists in the facility trying to figure out why he was successful when the others went crazy. Er. Yeah. Yeah. Because she... um. Now, I have read many a story that do have her have a significant body count as she was learning her powers with Hydra, that they would just kidnap people in Sokovia and she would practice <sighs> her power. And they just, they, well, they, that it's the Nazi motif. Yeah. Is that how you say that word? That's not how you say that word. Mo- mo- I think it is pronounced motif. Okay. It just didn't sound right coming out of my mouth. Like, it's not how I see it in my head or hear it in my head. So, Wanda, the implications about Wanda are way uglier than, like, the implications that are there about Ziva. And they're both, and and they're ignored more than the stuff about Ziva is. Which is 
like, wow, I didn't think you could ignore egregious acts more than NCIS ignored right? Divas. <laughs> then Marvel had to come up and double down. And the whole she's just a kid thing. Bullshit. I love it when authors just point out the illogic to Steve. Have somebody go to him. Well, she's just a kid. She doesn't belong in battle. Why did you take her out to be an Avenger if she's a kid? Well, she's in control of her powers. Well, then how do people get hurt? Well, she's still learning. Excuse me? You can't have it both ways, asshole. Which is why, if we're ever, ever, if I ever were to ever write any kind of, what I feel like Steve is just impossible to work with as a character, a reasonable character who's just not, I don't know, whatever. By the time, once he drops those helicarriers on Washington D.C. and does the data dump, it's all it's, over. It's, it's too late. You got to You got to get to him before then. Um, because he's also the kind of character who will dig in. He will the way they portray him. He will. He will get he will dig in and get entrenched in his own belief that he's right in the face of being catastrophically wrong. So you present him with information that he fucked up colossally and got people killed. He will just dig in because he can't deal with that. I don't think he is capable of dealing with being wrong to that degree. Well, Gibbs is, has a phobia about being wrong. Where I'm pretty sure Steve Rogers is just plain no allergic to it. I just don't think Steve can deal with. I, I think he, I also think that he's in a fragile psychological state, and I don't think he can deal with how how he misjudged that situation with Shield and Hydra. And I think if he were presented, and it, honestly, that it's a little bit my head canon that he probably was at some point presented with the casualty reports or the fatalities of as a result of what they did, and he just can't deal with it. So he just digs in about you know moral superiority because that's all he has. Steve was problematic before the serum. I agree, um, because there are reasons why somebody as sickly as little Steve. Should not be in combat. He got um, he'd got somebody killed in combat if 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 they let him go. Yeah, that it, somebody got killed trying to rescue his dumb butt. He just was so he he was so all in on getting what he wanted. It's, and, that's it, I think it's a mixture of in, an inferiority complex mm -hmm. and like. There was a lot of propaganda um, during that time period. Um, a lot of, um, you know, be a man, serve your country. Um, and you combine that uh, with um, an, an, an inferiority complex. Um, what you get is someone like Steve Rogers. Now, I thought he was a carrier of TV. Or was that also just a different aspect of Fanon? Yeah, yeah. If if his mom died of um, tuberculosis, he definitely um, had been exposed to it, and he would probably test positive. I test positive for um, for um, for TB. I fail skin tests. So I they wouldn't have let him five my, during my yeah. They wouldn't have let him in on that alone. Well, the fact is, is I'm not sure they had a skin test back then. I'm not sure when a skin test um, would have been available. So, but, but just being someone who tests positive for TB doesn't make you someone who's contagious. I mean, I couldn't give TB to somebody else. 
I've never actually had TB myself. I've just been exposed to it. Most adults probably have. At least most adults in my generation. As it turned out, my entire senior class was exposed to tuberculosis to TB because one of our classmates had TB. Because she wasn't vaccinated and one of her so she got it from a cousin. Anyways, vaccinate your fucking kids. But based upon what the C, what I'm reading at the CDC site, he would have probably been had latent TB infection. But it says persons with latent TB infection are not infectious and cannot spread TB to others. Um, and they only, they have like a what is it like something like a five to ten percent chance of developing TB. Um, they actually are infected with it, but they're kind of like but they can't spread it to other people. But the question is, would that have been known back then? I don't know that um, having somebody in his family who died from TB would have been enough to keep him off the enlistment rolls. Like, literally in reality, considering um, how many people they needed to enlist. Uh, if you look at the number of people who died during World War II, just fighting, not counting the Holocaust, which as horrible as it is um millions of people died outside the holocaust um fighting in bombs i mean the numbers of people who died during world war ii it is mind-boggling it is like how did our species survive without any people died all at once? Well, you know, in that in, in that time period, that's how sickening the numbers are. It's just like over. You you just keep there. Um, There's a graphic on a History Channel show that I watched, and they just demonstrated how many people died, and it was just outrageous. It was. <sighs> then they added the Holocaust numbers to it, and it was like I couldn't even breathe. It was just horrific. So an estimated seventy to eighty-five million people perished. Um, in uh, in as of 1940 in, the, in World War II. And the estimated population of the world in 1940 was 2.3 billion. That's just astonishing. It is stunningly astonishing. So I don't think having a family member, even his own mother, die of TB would have been enough to keep him from getting enlisted. So... But the numbers from the from the World War Two are the numbers from both World Wars are horrific. But the ones from World War Two, um, it's difficult to conceptualize. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I agree. It's like it's just it it it's so horrifying that you just you can't even process it. Humans suck. Truly, so. But Steve actually did enough fraud that the whole TB thing is just like a, a side note, really. I mean, um, his continuous um, attempts to enlist, each one more fraudulent than the last, um, because they had to have been, because he had to have been, would have had to say, no, I've never tried to enlist before, because they would have asked, you know, so. He had to keep giving them fake names, right? Wasn't he giving them fake names? 
I, I don't remember. I only watched that movie once. Fake cities. He was he was going to different cities and giving fake addresses, maybe fake locations. This name's pretty common. It's not a, a, a uncommon name, so he didn't. So he probably could have maybe gotten away with that part, especially since you know they were just paper records. Probably the most unrealistic thing about that whole thing was that uh, that they actually managed to have all of his other attempts. Just, just right? there. <laughs> that seems <It's> like, unlikely. <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the thing is, that Steve Rogers' character had the potential to be something awesome and amazing, and this is what we got. Yeah, this is what we got. Not great. My screensaver activated, so I have no idea what somebody just put in chat. But the thing, you know, also early on, we learned that Steve Rogers um, has no respect for authority. Um, he was full of himself. Um, he overestimated his abilities before and after he was given the serum. Um, he's very self-centered. And ultimately, stupidly selfish. Uh, catastrophically selfish. I mean, I'm not sure anybody's selfishness in the history of fiction is as catastrophic as Steve Rogers' is. Just mind-boggling. And the interesting thing is the propaganda machine on him is that he's, you know, he's self-sacrificing, which is like the exact opposite of what he is. Anyway, and on the depressing note about Steve Rogers being the most selfish yeah, asshole in history, for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's bedtime for like all of us. I'm going to get out of the corner and uh, <laughs> I'm going to go to the bathroom because I have old lady bladder. Right? Yeah, I, I'm honestly at this point afraid to move. Um, right? <laughs> <laughs> you guys have an excellent night. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to figure out Twitch. Sometimes this week, and we're gonna we're gonna get on Twitch and play some fucking Sims. Say good night, Dilly. Good night, everybody. <laughs>